Radio Mano Papachango. finally happened ladies and gentlemen i have won a major award i'm so proud i have won uh the oscar of porn believe it or not without doing porn this is this is the story of my life i'm not sure how this keeps happening i go to prison but don't actually get beat up or raped or hurt or really have anything at all bad happen to me but i just get this prison experience um, you know, I've been very sick. I've been stung by scorpions. I've had motorcycle accidents. I've, you know, I've had like, uh, I, I, I was paragliding in India out over the Indian ocean the first time ever. And my earpiece fell out of my ear. And so I couldn't hear the instructor telling me to turn, turn, turn. And <laughs> that's another story, but I was just sort of, you know, peacefully floating out over the ocean, uh, completely oblivious to the fact that I was approaching the point of no return until I heard this screaming in the distance. And I looked back and saw Uwe, my uh, para uh, gliding instructor, jumping up and down, screaming. And I realized that my earpiece had fallen out and that's why he wasn't giving me any instructions. Anyway, what's my point? My point is that, uh, I, I seem to be lucky in in getting uh like getting the fruit off the tree without getting bit by the snake, I guess, is is the way it seems to be working. Anyway, uh not that porn is necessarily as dangerous as paragliding, but I've won a porn award without ever taking my pants off, which is probably better for everyone. Um I won the uh this year's AVN Award not for best girl-on-girl performance or best, uh, you know, MILF or gangbang or facial or whatever the other bizarre categories are. By the way, how come there are MILFs but no DILFs? I mean, should I be offended about that as a, as a DILF, as a, you know, wannabe DILF? Although I don't have any children, but still... Um, anyway, I won for best non-sex performance. And if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you've probably heard me talk about the movie that Casilda and I appeared in called Marriage 2.0, uh, which also won for best director. Congratulations, Paul. And uh, yeah, so that was interesting. The, the conceit of the movie, if you haven't heard me talk about it before, is that uh, it, it's sort of a crossover movie. Um, there's hardcore sex in it, but it's aspiring to be a, a more mainstream film. There's character development. There's interesting dialogue. There's a lot happening in the movie and the sex is sort of incidental to the other stuff that's going on. And so the director asked Casilda and I to appear in the film as ourselves to do a, a cameo and, uh, other people, uh, sort of prominent people in the um, in the world of you know people who think about sex and write and talk about sexuality, are in it. Reed Mahalko is in it. 
who's been a guest on this podcast, I think, I think just once, but I'm going up to Oakland this week and we're going to do a second uh, podcast. He may have been on twice. I'm not sure. But in any case, he's a very interesting guy, does a lot of presentations and, um, and writing and thinking about sexuality. Carol Queen, a legendary uh, San Francisco uh, person in, involved in the sort of study of sexuality is in it. And uh, oh, a whole bunch of people. There's a big dinner scene with lots of people. Anyway, there's a scene where I'm being interviewed by uh, India Summer, who's the female lead in the film. And she and her boyfriend, Ryan Driller, are played by Ryan Driller, are um, opening up their relationship. And so they want to interview me. She wants to interview me to sort of help her wrap her head around, you know, what is polyamory? What are different types of open relationships? How does this work? How do you deal with jealousy and all that? So I'm there's a movie within the movie. So I'm sort of interviewed. Cassie and I are interviewed for that. And then there's a scene where I'm in the kitchen and, and she, um, India Summer, comes in and she's all upset. And then she and I have a sort of, you know, uh, in air quotes, off-camera moment where I'm giving her advice and, you know, trying to help her um, wrap her head around the challenges of having an open relationship. Anyway, apparently that impressed the uh, the judges enough to um, to get me the award. I did the ceremony, the ceremony, <laughs> the uh, what do you call it? The awards. Uh, show or whatever it was in Vegas was just this past week. So I haven't received my golden dildo yet, but uh, when I do, that will be on the mantelpiece in a, in a prominent position. That's pretty much the big news for me this week. We've, uh, we're still in Venice, California. We're headed down to Mexico. We're probably going to spend a week in, in uh, DFA, Distrito Federal de Mexico, and I won't impose my Mexican accent on you too much, but we're looking forward to that. Uh, I haven't been in Mexico City for a long time. I was there in the late 80s, I think, before the big earthquake. I was a child then, but I'm not anymore. So I'll go see Mexico City as an adult now and see what that's like. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to probably stay in the neighborhood I think it's called Coyoacan or something like that, where um, Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera had their home and studios. And I hear it's a, a funky, cool, bohemian neighborhood of and gives a, a feel for old Mexico a little bit, which I like. My favorite parts of Mexico are uh, Oaxaca and San Cristobal de las Casas in Chiapas. Really love those places. I'm not into air pollution, which is why I've avoided Mexico City over the years. But I hear it's a great place. And then uh, we're going to be flying out of Mexico City to Southeast Asia, spend a month or so in Thailand. And then it looks like we're going to be going to South Africa for a while. Uh, We're looking into some safaris in Botswana and Namibia. So hopefully I'll be bringing you interesting conversations with people that we meet along the way. And uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, Fun for me. Hope hope it'll be fun for you. I think it will be. Uh, I've been looking into the question of how to... uh, how to have stereo on this podcast and uh, Mark Boyd of Bimini Road, a great musician. I play a song a bunch of times. 
several of his songs, I think. Um, anyway, he wrote to me and explained how to do it. And basically, it it's just that I have to um, export the file in stereo rather than mono, uh, which shouldn't affect anything as long as I, as long as I don't pan. Well, whatever. I don't, you don't need to hear all the technical details. The point is that in order to have stereo for the music in the podcast, the file size is going to double. And so I don't know how much that affects you guys. The file sizes right now range from uh, 55 to 75 megabytes. And if you're streaming, it probably doesn't matter. But if you're downloading and, and your phone, I don't know, it may be an issue for you. So if it is, um, let me know. Um, if it isn't and, and it's worth it for you to have the stereo, uh, let me know that too. And I'll, I'll see what sort of feedback I get. I understand that most of you don't have a chance to send feedback or don't give a shit either way. So it's just the ones who bother to vote. It's sort of like the Iowa caucuses, you know. It's it's not really an accurate representation of what most people think, but it's all we have, so that's what we use. Interesting how, how that works in life. Um, I'll definitely use that technique, though, for the uh, Soma podcast, the Singing Out My Ass music-heavy podcast. With these, that it's a long conversation and then just one song thrown in there. It's probably not worth it. Um, anyway, the uh, other thing I wanted to talk about is I haven't read any of the Amazon purchases for a while. And we're coming to the end of the month, so I wanted to give some shout-outs to people. I'm looking at the report from the last seven days. Uh, some interesting stuff people have been, been buying here. I see there's something called the Easy GoPro GoTime Just Got Easier Ergonomic Family Toilet Stool. Natural aid for constipation, hemorrhoids, IBS, pelvic floor bloating, and more. Thank you very much for ordering that through the the affiliate link on my webpage. Uh, it cost twenty four dollars and one ninety two went to the podcast. So good for you. We've got several of those. We've bought those and given them as gifts to people. Um, I don't know if it's exactly the same product, but the kind of thing that makes a toilet seem like a squat toilet. And then in Spain, of course, in our apartment in Spain, we have a, an actual Asian toilet with uh, one of those squirt things from the, you know, the people use for washing dishes. It's great. It's great. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's great. Uh, okay. What else do we have here? Let's see. For love and money, care provision in the United States. Somebody bought that paperback. Expensive paperback. So we ended up with three fifty for the podcast out of that. Thank you very much. Some students I see are buying their uh, books for class through the affiliate link. I really appreciate that. I know you people have no money. You're paying $186 for a goddamn managerial accounting textbook. But $15 of that went to support the podcast. So thank you very much for whoever's ordering their academic textbooks through there see somebody got the essential McLuhan that should be interesting he was a very Marshall McLuhan was a very interesting thinker he's the guy who said humans have become the sex organs of the machine age I thought that's a that's an interesting quote Joe Rogan loves that quote uh, what else do we have somebody bought a um, wireless flash speed light and slave so somebody's a photographer out there buying stuff through the website very cool uh, that was sixty nine bucks. Five fifty went to the podcast. Thank you. I feel like one of those guys at NPR who's like you know talking about the calls that are coming in. 
what else do we have? Uh, oh, the computer stuff. People are buying computers and hard drives, electronics. Somebody bought a gift card. Ten. Oh, what they do? They bought twenty-seven ten-dollar gift cards. Wow. Okay, somebody's given out a lot of gift cards. Anyway, sixteen bucks of that uh, went to the podcast. So thank you very much, whoever you are, you generous person who just bought twenty-seven ten-dollar Amazon gift cards. You've got a lot of grandkids or something. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, on it, people are buying on it Alpha Brain for mental dominance. Uh, yeah. Okay, six bucks went to the podcast. So. Six bucks went to me, and the rest went to to uh, Aubrey, I guess, <laughs> who I I saw yesterday. We were watching the the NFL games together. That was a lot of fun. Interesting games. Uh, okay, what else do we have? Memory foam mattress, hundred and ten bucks, eight eighty went to the podcast. Thank you, much appreciated. And we have musical instruments. People are buying musical instruments. It's great. Uh, guitar, Boss. R30, RC30 guitar pedal loop station with six free cables for 300 bucks, 24 bucks went to the podcast. So as you can see, this sort of thing adds up and it um, it's fantastic. I feel like this is actually uh, more or less paying for itself now. So, you know, we don't need a lot. We live pretty cheap. So this kind of stuff adds up and it it's wonderful and I really appreciate it and Casilda appreciates it and my my mics and my cables and my software appreciate it the feedback on the new editing software i've been using has been pretty positive so i'll probably stick with this it's uh it's easier to use than GarageBand. it's hindenburg and uh they seem to be a good company very responsive i sent a couple of emails and uh they're very responsive i hear from the the main guy so i think it's a pretty small operation if you're doing a podcast, you might want to check them out. Hindenburg, they have a 30-day free trial. I'm not I'm not getting anything from them. I'm not endorsing them in any official way, but uh, so far my experience with them has been very good. I did reach out to them to see if I, uh, if I could get a discount or something as a podcaster, and they made the very good point, which is their, their market is people who do podcasts. So if they're giving their product away, for free for people who do podcasts that kind of shoots themselves in the foot so good point there anyway uh hindenburg so thanks for listening this episode is with thad russell two classics thad russell and Daniele bolelli recorded this just about a week ago here in la so this is one of the the uh the recently recorded episodes that's clogging up the works here so i'll release this and then i'll release one that i recorded in portland before we left later this week so this will be another double week i hope that's good news for you and uh and then we'll be on the road so who knows maybe i'll slow down a little bit depending on uh how comfortable we are in the various motels hotels holiday inns say what and how good the wi-fi is Hope you're happy out there. It's a sunny, beautiful day in Venice, California, so I'm happy. This week's musical tidbit is a song called Run Cool by a group called Positive Black Soul. They're quite political. Thought it was appropriate for the conversation you're going to be hearing with uh, two radical historians, Daniele Bolelli and Thad Russell. 
Hope you enjoy the conversation. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for buying shirts. Mom is loving it. She's shipping them out like crazy. And uh, thanks for the Amazon affiliate stuff. And especially to those of you who fund the podcast through fundwhatyoulove.com. Catch you all soon.
Historian Daniele Bolelli and hard ass historian Thad Russell. What's up, guys? Just feeling kind of hard. Feel I mean, I mean, sorry, hard ass. Sorry, sorry, hard ass. Yeah, on that note, I'm distracted by your business card. No, There's, um, and we're not talking about my business cards. Come on now. Well, you can't drive before we turn on the microphone, throw <laughs> pictures of naked ladies at me and just expect me to just roll right over it. And uh, At your age, I along. figured, you know, these kind of things don't really even affect you anymore. At <laughs> what age of a heterosexual male do, do things never affect you anymore? Uh, it's, like, it's about a week before death. That, that's, that's what I know. figure. You that's know, how you know you're dying. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's improper. It is improper. <laughs> and I'd like to move are on. Are you offended? I'd like to move on, it, yeah. Do you consider it a microaggression? Because uh, they are small cards. Oh, it's a macro, for sure. I mean, for, that, that for, card is definitely macro. For people who are oh. wondering, um, I, people send photos of themselves in various states of undress with a copy of our book, and uh, I took a couple of those photos and made little business cards. So that's what we're referring to here. You can see the... the I don't know if there are over a hundred photos now of readers with sex at dawn and no clothes on at uh, my website, chrisryanphd.com. Look for the, I don't know what tab it is. It's on the sex at dawn tab. And then there's a not safe for work reader photo nice. uh, option. So <laughs> you'll see them all there. And you know, that whole thing started uh, by my uncle. Really? Yeah. That's always... That's, that's not who you want to start something. No, like. but again, at well, least he, he started it and then he got the, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and like you say, I mean, he would be down with you, Daniele, where, you know, uh, he's he was just here, actually. I spent last week a lot of time with him. He's 70, early 70s, mm -hmm. and uh, when our book came out, he sent me a photo of himself in bed with the hard copy. So this is early days, with a hard copy, with two beautiful blondes in lingerie one on either side <laughs> and then they did a video <laughs> to fuck the video where he says um he says well this book about monogamy is pretty interesting and oh, oh there's only one woman uh in bed with him yeah. at that point and then she says something like monogamy is that a kind of wood and another woman comes up from under the covers and says, I think it is. And it's like, my uncle's crazy, That's man. That's awesome. So anyway, I posted this this photo on Facebook. Yeah. And everybody thought it was so funny. Next thing you know, people start replicating it. And there you go. It became a viral craziness. Genius. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So, Daniele, since I last saw you, you have been a busy, badass historian. Indeed. You've got a new podcast. Uh-huh. 
You've got a new book out. Yep. Uh, there's a movie being made about your life. Uh, Starring me, directed by me. Uh, directed by no, you? Right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, tell us about the the new book's been out, what, five months or three nah, months? Or? No, uh, early de- December. I track. So barely oh. over a month. Oh, okay. But, um, but yeah, man, no, it's book is interesting because it's um, sort of a transition book for me because the ones I've done so far are more sort of classic non-fiction sort of philosophically minded this is a lot more personal so (coughs) it reads more like a narrative thing even though it's the real deal it's all real experience and um, I don't know I dig it I dig the idea of bringing something that's a little more personal like talking about things less in more abstract philosophical terms and more in sort of gutsy (coughs) this is me here and now kind of way I yeah. find it a little more honest, and uh, and I dig it. And I, by more honest, I don't mean that the other way is not honest, because it is. It's just you bring yourself more into the picture, words and all. You're not trying to preach some philosophical principle. You're right. just saying, this is life experience. This is what works. This is what doesn't. And the whole thing basically is about fear, right. dealing with fear. Right. And, um, and you got more than a taste too. Like I remember you listened to a podcast episode that I did. Well, about that's my what I was thinking. That, yeah, um, was that the did, was that the germ of the book that podcast or what? How I think you? that was already a step two. I think step one was a podcast I did with Duncan, huh. where Duncan went in a very personal direction, right. and I realized that people seem to gain so much more. Like when if like. I had a chat with Duncan and people who listened and were talking more philosophically, people are like, oh, that's a cool idea. Sweet, that's nice, but that's where it ends. When we brought it to a very visceral level, when he brought it to a very, this is us, this is our life kind of level, the effect that it has on people is much stronger. Mm-hmm. And so to me, this is not even about, I'm not thinking commercially, like, oh, this would sell 10 more copies, who cares? Mm-hmm. It's these actually seem to, people seem to get more out of it and it actually helps them more. So I'm like, hey, if that's the case, who the hell am I to say no? Why not? Let's go in that direction. I was a little hesitant because it sounded too memoirish. And I was like, just the idea of saying, I'm writing a memoir made me throw up. I was like, come on, man, really? But I got over it. I'm like, just shut up. If other people dig it, that's. Mm, it's your own hang up about ego and bullshit that are stopping you so forget it just say it for what it is and go down that path it's uh for people who aren't familiar with your story the the book is mainly centered on the death of your wife Mm -hmm. and you had a young child at the time and it was very rapid and unexpected Mm -hmm. and came out of nowhere and yeah uh and how you have sort of incorporated that into uh, going on, which is, I mean, a lot of people, I think the fear they have around writing a memoir is that, like, who gives a shit? Sure. You know, like, oh, you know, your whatever stupid little experience sure. you had. But that's that's the kind of experience I think that's worthy of, of sharing, if you can. Sure, but even then, when you think about it, like, how many people have had bad shit happen in their yeah. lives? Three gazillion people. Yeah, but see, that realization, I think, is part of the wisdom Mm -hmm. that people can get from reading the story. Right. You know, that you, that that's one of the insights that you got after going through all that incredible heartbreak Mm -hmm. and and crazy suffering. 
like you come out on the other side and say, well, yeah, this is like define my life, but it's actually not that unusual. No, it's not at all. Yeah. Exactly. When you think about what happens, I was reading uh, last night, I was doing some research for the historical podcast for History on Fire, and I was researching um, Theodore Roosevelt's life. Yeah. Fuck, man, it makes <laughs> yeah. my life look like Disneyland by comparison, you know? Did his like, mother and his wife died. His mother the same and died in the same day. Same like day. Yeah, eight he, hours, up, ten hours apart. But he something. deserved it. I appreciate that you don't put me in the he deserve it file that's sweet but yeah I mean it's it's trippy and then when you start looking over like you start seeing bad things happen to everybody but that I mean that experience sort of made him what he was right because that's what he was governor of New York or mayor or something and then he'd like fuck this and he went to North Dakota or Montana Mm -hmm. or somewhere and lived on a ranch for Thad's, Thad's, you know, doing his smug nod. Yeah. There's more to it than you understand, young... No, no, no. No, I mean, it didn't... The death you're, of your you're not a Teddy Roosevelt fan? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, the death of your wife didn't cause you to uh, conquer the third world and yeah, yeah, <laughs> colonize brown people. Not yet. Not yet, exactly. Not yet. That, was my, that was exactly my statement. <laughs> that's next, right? I'm still that's working on it. After this yes, podcast thing, exactly. that's what you're going to That's, that's what I got go. to do at one o'clock. You're going to march into the Philippines yeah. and, and Christianize them. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a different historical epic, right? Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe what you do with that energy now is different. I mean, this whole podcasting thing is so personal and, mm-hmm. and we're still feeling our way. I mean, yeah. Duncan did that those podcasts with his mother when she was like on her deathbed and man I mean I I personally I'm I'm more I think I'm comfortable letting people deep into my own mind a Mm -hmm. little bit and saying shit that can get me in trouble and all that but I'm more hesitant about family and I don't know. Sure, I mean, when it's other people, and also it makes a difference if they are other live people, that makes yeah. it a little weird because it's their life and you don't want to yeah. invade privacy. When you're talking about people yeah. who are no longer around, it's a little different because that's no longer an issue in terms of how they respond to things today. They can't sue you. Right. <laughs> Besides that, <laughs> beside that part is also like they don't have to listen to what people say. Right. It's not an issue for And so whereas when you're dealing with a bunch of people who are currently in your life, you clearly want to get permission first before you bring up some really personal stuff because clearly you can't. I had Casilda on this podcast for the 100th episode. I I listened to that one. Actually to those two because you broke it up in two. Oh, did I? Yeah, 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 because we probably went on for a while. Yeah, it was was interesting because she's very private and doesn't like sharing her personal life much. But once she got going... Oh, man, you guys were on a roll. Yeah, Yeah, she was all right with it. But it's also weird because you're opening it up to strangers. Yeah. You know, it's something really intimate and there are all these thousands of strangers and some of them, let's face it, are assholes and they're gonna, you know. But you know, I kind of, to me is liberating. Yeah. This idea of just uh, mm-hmm. not being there that you're always thinking about other people are gonna perceive you and how, right. oh, they are gonna judge me this way, they are gonna think this, so I'm gonna put up this image of, it's like, fuck it, there's something so beautiful about saying, this is me. Whether right. you like it, whether you don't, the good, bad stuff, the stuff that may not be the best. I mean, I wrote some stuff in the book. There was quite a few people were like, really? I mean, I like everything else you're saying, mm-hmm. but don't, don't write that. Come on, people will. There's a story involving a lovable sex worker that got a little oh, bit intense. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. 
And I was like, this is the deal. Right. This is that, that's the point. You know, this is exactly yeah. the point to just be completely open about stuff. Even stuff that it may or may not be a good idea. It definitely may or may not be an idea that other people will perceive in a good way. I'm not a fucking politician. I'm not trying to get elected. I'm trying to be me. And yeah. I find that more rewarding. It's, and that, it's, it's, impossible, it's impossible to shame you now. Right. Because it's right. kind of you've, like... You've a, given up the shame. Right. That's what you're doing. You're sort of expelling the shame. It's that... Uh, by making it public. Right? Did you ever see uh, 8 Mile, the yeah. Eminem movie? That's exactly his tactic, right? Before one of the rap battles when they're like, aren't you afraid that they're going to bring this up about you and this and this and this that he thinks about it? It's like... Oh fuck! And the next scene, he starts and he talks about himself and yep. bring up all the shit that has happened. Right, you disarm, you disarm your enemies. Yeah, and if, uh, he's yeah. like, okay, now you tell them something about me that they don't know already. Yeah, and the guy's like, there's nothing. There's nothing left. Yeah, I, I've always thought, you know, when my moment comes to run for president, the, right? You know, when some major party recruits me, mm-hmm. uh, any day now, the, any day, the first thing I'm going to do is just go up there and say, okay, you know, here I've done these drugs. I, you know, I've fucked these people, I've, you know, <laughs> whatever. Just, like, lay it out there. Here it is, you so know. So he's going to have to start his campaign about a year and a half early yeah. because just the list of yeah. people is going to go on for about <laughs> six months. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you know, talking about, like, leaving things in and leaving things out, that reminds me of the phrase, the truth, the whole truth. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why they included the whole truth because it's easy to tell the truth that you that works for you, sure. right? But the whole truth is another thing. Yeah. So, Thad, mm-hmm. what have you been up to? You haven't done shit. No. <laughs> I mean, you know, Danielle's over here churning out the work. And you're just, you're still behind on your book from what I hear. Mostly doing a lot of internet porn. Watching. <laughs> not not producing any. Do one. you guys know I'm nominated for a porn award? Are you? Did you see that? No. no. For yeah. what? Uh, for, for watching more than anyone else. <laughs> for, you know, it's the AVN. Most videos downloaded in one day. Chris Ryan, 2015. The AVN uh, Special Achievement Award. Non-achievement award. No, I'm nominated in the category of best non-sex performance. Oh, that's awesome. Story of my life right there. That's perfect. <laughs> Tell all of my ex-girlfriends remember me. Can you imagine it's like you win the porn award and it's for a non-sex role a non-sex like, role yeah God, that's yeah the worst. it's like it's like i don't know paying a lot of taxes but not having a lot of money like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That work? something doesn't work in yeah. this yeah yeah no i'm up against um dick chibbles and uh <laughs> well of course you are who's dick chibbles i don't know i i, I hope that's not his real name and uh, ron jeremy uh-huh. the, the great ron jeremy non-sex role Nonsense. Well, he's you know he's a, a a revered elder at this point. I think. Oh, you know. Well, but sure. does that stop anybody in porn? Being revered? No, being an elder. Oh, an elder. I don't know. I mean, there's not a that, lot of elder porn out there. Have you seen that great documentary about Ron Jeremy? Uh-uh. I think it was a full featured doc. Yeah, I saw that. Too. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. Definitely do that. Yeah. Sad. Sad. Do yeah, I really want sad. to? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, especially in your line of work. Um, <laughs> hey, it was a one-off. But the funny, the funny thing is, uh, the list. You know, they released the yeah. list, and it's like ten. You know, best. And of course, the the other categories are you know the girl and girl and best sure. anal fisting yeah. scene and best. You know, and then there's my category, and it's all these silly names. And like one of them is the the actor's name is. Rhonda Arouse Me. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a movie. Or maybe it's a movie. And Speaking that, of which, we should rent it. We definitely need to find a way to download wow. it. Or See, Danielle is familiar yeah, with uh, the genre. 
It's a it sounds like Ronda MMA, Rousey. It is. It's an MMA oh, parody. Yeah. <laughs> it's a parody of uh, it's you know no, porn, really stupid. Porn does parodies of everything, so yeah. they did a UFC parody. So I went to a porn funeral. <clears throat> no, oh, do tell. A year ago, um, a friend of mine was married to a major, major porn producer who died of cancer, um, and he knew everybody in the business. And so I went to this, I went to his funeral and in the valley, of course, and everybody from porn was there mm. and they gave speech after speech after speech about him. And there was videos from every major porn star. And, and, um, it's like, I'm going to the bathroom afterward <laughs> and I go, go to one of the urinals and I'm peeing and I'm like, please God, don't let Lexington steel come next to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's just for yeah, I was like immediately terrified that you know, <laughs> stage fright for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it was quite something. It was like, um, why? I mean, people in that industry are really interesting, you know, because it's it's really clear how it's just work. Yeah, for them. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, getting back to what we were talking about earlier, uh, shame. Mm-hmm. There's there's right. a shamelessness exactly that is in in the best cases is really admirable absolutely yeah. yeah and politically very powerful yeah. and you know it's been expanding you know porn's become as it becomes more and more mainstream i think sexual shame is actually diminished yeah. in this culture generally yeah. um, there's still a lot though like, there's both there's plenty or else yeah. we wouldn't do what we're doing and i don't just mean in uh, like some christian conservative uh, oh, yeah, no. place there are like a lot of places where even the people you wouldn't expect that people who yeah. may listen to some of the podcasts we like or some of that kind of stuff where there's still that very oh yeah it's weird like in academia for instance well yeah no one ever talks about sex <clears throat> yeah no those guys are weird it's the silence about sex that to me is the most effective form of shaming that one is bad well, or they do talk about it but it's always in terms of like judgmental right uh, or accusations. It's, ne- it's negative yeah, yeah it's always negative like you're you know you're falling for the gender binary Right. Then yeah. again, when you look at those people face to face, the last thing you want is for them to talk about sex because that would spoil <laughs> it forever right there. It's like, yes, do not. Let me live with the fantasy that you never, not only you never had sex, but you don't even know what it is because just your presence in it spoils it somehow. So it's. Yeah. Yeah. How, how does it feel for you as an Italian to be. Because Italy's a very sexualized culture. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I haven't spent a lot of time in Italy, but my sense is, you know, sure. Spain, similar kind of Latin. Being here, do, do you just feel like when I come to America, I've said this before on this podcast, I feel like it's one of those dreams where where your high school calls you up and says, hey, you never finished that gym class in 1980, <laughs> whatever. And, and like you have to go back right. and you're like you're like, what? It, the, people are taking this shit seriously. Yeah. That's how I feel in America. Like there are all these weird rules, and everyone's yeah. following them. And like, what? Aren't we adults? What happened? Yeah, mm. some of that stuff gets weird. You've I been mean, here so I, long, though. You, yeah. you you came when you were what in college? Eighteen. 18. 18. Yeah. yeah. The some of that stuff is bizarre. Like the like you go to the beach in Italy, and is uh, you know lots of women go topless. Yeah. Cause normal right yeah and here is a misdemeanor it's and you like don't a, seem to hang out with a lot of american women uh, not that i know that much about your love life but your wife wasn't american no right? i mean I, I guess i would depend on you to find american i mean you know, like, like yeah are, from the valley yeah yeah and, no you know. it's like it's kind of weird i was noticing that it's like an insane amount of people i know 
have uh, serious issues with white people. Mm. I wouldn't call them racist, but we're getting in the neighborhood of. Hmm. And so they are in the, I fucking hate white people. And then of course they are my friends, so they have to make some exception for me. And they're like, well, you know, you're not really what It's like, come yeah. on. It's like, they get to this ridiculous thing where they are not racist in the sense that they are people with that skin color I hate but it's like it's a culture that right. they dislike so they make plenty of exception for people who have that pigmentation but don't fit that sure, model sure. but that model they hate it and sometimes the way it's expressed comes across a little weird because but it's, it's not that's just, not racism well it, it depends how you frame it you know if you're talking about the values is one thing when you yeah. when you oversimplify it and it turns into others oh, fucking white people when it's doesn't whiteness is one thing exactly, right, right. exactly. white people as exactly. a quote race is a exactly. different thing yeah, well casilda exactly. i think my wife who's not white <clears throat> not sure exactly what she is mm -hmm. but she's definitely not white uh we, she did a dna test recently she thought that she was all indian mm -hmm. from india and part persian mm -hmm. The DNA test told her she was 30-something percent pygmy. <laughs> wow. The hell? What do you do with that? <laughs> Who's been fucking a pygmy, Mom? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's something. Uh, yeah. You get like every single ac uh, affirmative action point for that, don't you? I think yeah. so. That, you, you get a lot of points. But anyway, she's you know not being white. She sort of feels liberated to say whatever the fuck she wants. Sure. And of she's got a problem with Chineses. So she calls them Chinese. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those those Chineses. I'll bet that someone will cut us off and like, oh, I'll bet it's Chineses. Right. And uh, but but it's her, it's the culture that right. she doesn't yeah, like. Yeah, it's exactly. the eating of every fucking animal. It's the cutting off the rhino horns. It's the you know wiping out Africa and all the stuff that Americans you know have been doing for a long time. Mm -hmm. The thing is, I guess it's I totally see it and I get it because that's how you know again most of the people I interact with communicate it's a very slippery slope yeah, language wise because sure. the boundary between uh, it's kind of how probably somebody who's seriously racist starts out as being <laughs> I dislike that shit and suddenly the nuance uh, of I'm talking about the values and the behavior disappears right. and you become the right. people who look Short like that. Yeah. And there's a... It's the gateway drug to Yeah, racism. exactly. Yeah. It's like, as long as you stay right there at the edge, you're fine. Yeah. But it doesn't take much to go over and then suddenly mean something completely Because there different. are cultures that are fucking annoying. Of course. American sure. being one of them, you know? Right. Like, white American culture is pretty fucking annoying. And we should, we should be free to dislike other cultures. Yeah. Shouldn't we? Well, there's certainly, sure. and certainly elements of other cultures yeah sure right? and like and dislike cultures yeah so where does that leave us in terms of uh you know the the sort of isis and the the topics of the day right i mean it where do you guys stand on the whole sort of bill maher mm -hmm. uh you know not all terrorists are arab not all arabs are terrorists but most terrorists are arab and right where where is that is that a legitimate thing to say a lot of these middle eastern cultures are fucked up because they oppress women. Well, and the, uh, they're not places I would want to live in. Right. Sure. Well, they're not places but a I, lot of Arab but, people want to live either. Right. But I don't live there. Um, I have very little or no say over how they live their lives. Clearly, many people in those cultures, including the women, choose to live those lives and live according to those values. Not mm. all, but many, or else yeah, they wouldn't and exist. to what extent do so, you choose then, to live according to your culture, especially under threat of death? Well, I mean, people are leaving all the time. Right. Well, from Afghanistan, the, Every, leaving means walking. So it's yeah. kind of a tough decision. 
Right, but you can only you can't force people to be pious, right? You can't mm. force people to be true believers sure. at the point. No matter what the mm. Taliban do, they cannot force people to adopt that that religion, that, that way of thinking, that ideology. Um, it is a fact we know that, according to polls I saw about five years ago, that a significant percentage of women in Afghanistan agree with the Taliban. Right. Not a majority, but a significant percentage. Sure. Okay, so then what do you do? I mean, that's the third point I was going to make. You know, what do we do about it, right? And that's what it's about. I mean, yeah. if you insist that it's evil and must be eradicated, then the only option, of course, is to get in your tank and roll your way in there, right? Um, and I, that's what Sam Harris is talking about all the time. I, Bill Maher, I've noticed, I've been watching him pretty closely, and he's, he has not taken that position. He's been pretty clearly anti-war consistently, right. at least lately. I don't know. Mm. But Sam Harris is talking about like preemptive nuclear strikes, and you know he's all about intervening against ISIS as if that's going to do anything. What's positive. the Bill Maher position then? Like, because I don't know exactly. Anti- so he's yeah he you know he hammers away at you know how and we haven't talked about this yet, but how Islam is inherently violent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, inherently jihadist, sure. Which I disagree with also, but. Um, but then he's also anti-war. So his position, I think, is sort of contradictory because if, you, if your argument is or your analysis is that, that, that Islam produces terrorism, right, mm-hmm. necessarily, then, yeah, we must go to war, right? Because that takes, that takes the onus away from American foreign policy entirely, right? So they're going to be independent actors. They're going to be doing in, th- bad things independently no matter what we do. Therefore, if that were the case, I would agree with him. Well, we're going to have to kill these crazy people, right? Well, but, but not- do we? I mean, I, I would question that step. Uh, it, let's say it does produce terrorism. Well, I disagree with that premise. Okay, right, but yeah. let's say it yeah, does. Okay. I don't think that necessarily follows that then we have to go to war. Well, we can just, you know. Well, I mean, no, it's, our, it's equivalent to, you know, if there was a violent schizophrenic in your neighborhood. You don't have right? to go kill him. You can just, you know, lock your doors. Well, I mean, if he's coming to my house and attacking my house and my... Yeah, get a people... dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think your well, dog's yeah, going to do much. A mean dog. <laughs> your dog's looking yeah, pretty Yeah, I mean, lazy. sure, whatever. I mean, yeah. I don't even need to go down this yeah, road yeah. because I, I dismissed the analysis to begin with. But... Yeah, and also, just, just for those schizophrenics out there, uh, you know, the vast majority of schizophrenics aren't violent. Right. Yeah, course. we mentioned the violent kind. Exactly. I, I said, yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if it were a violent kind. one. Yeah, I'd be more afraid of a violent non-schizophrenic. Because <laughs> a violent schizophrenic is like going after ghosts and shit, right. you know. Yeah, it's the it's the rational the violence. Is, uh, they're, they're more directed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's to me on the religion thing, like we get so caught up in these debates. Like I saw one with uh, Sam Harris and uh, Jank Yoger, Young mm. Turks, where they go for like an hour plus debating, and they are every point everyone makes is good, and. But rather than saying, okay, you make a good point, but also temper it with this other side, which also makes sense, and that's fine, it becomes a completely missing each other point and keeps saying stuff that by itself is correct, it's just lacking the context. And to me, that's one of the things that happened when talking about is uh, whatever religion, whatever ideology, whatever philosophy inherently this, what is the truth about? To me, it's a bullshit question because there is no one truth about it. There is no... Take uh, the wars in the take the Nazis, take s- Stalinism, take like stuff that objectively it's hard to justify. It's try to s- spin in a good way. It's not like a hundred percent of people who subscribe to Nazism 
they were all equally evil with the same mindset with the and subscribe and also they, they liked it for the same reason they even disagreed about what to do with the jews even in the highest command within mm. the nazi party precisely many of them just wanted to export to expel them right um, and others wanted to kill them, but actually, so even even there, exactly, right, there was disagreement so, about what Nazism was, ex which is in everything, right? There's disagreement about what Islam was. There's disagreement regarding Christianity. There's disagreement sure. regarding every single religion, regarding different right. forms of communism, regarding all of them. So to me, the debate of which one is the true one, it's a silly one, because the reality is that there are all sort of options under right. every single heading. To me, it's interesting. How do we strengthen the ones that make you be a nicer neighbor? That if you are being Muslim is uh, you pray to your God and you go out and you are nice to your neighbor and you bring them food when they run out. I believe in whatever the fuck you want. You want to believe in pink unicorns. I have no problem. If it makes you bring coffee in the morning right. to your neighbor, I'm fine with it. And the other one is not that I'm arguing that that's less real. Because that's the problem. People say, oh, the violent, nasty things are misinterpretation of the doctrine. Well, that's when we get caught in some weird shit, because when you start looking at it, it's like, oh, I don't know about misinterpretation. There are some passages support that very strongly. Sure. Not all of them do. That's why there are other interpretations. But even those passages up. you can interpret in any way. That's, and that's why my point is trying to establish the truth mm -hmm. is a hopeless undertaking that helps nobody. Mm -hmm. What counts is which messages help us get along and which one make us kill each other right if you support a message and the action that flow from it that make us kill each other okay we have a problem with that but if you don't what the hell do i care you're muslim or jewish or yeah. whatever doesn't doesn't even matter you know to me is uh, i'm non-ideologically based i guess in that in the sense or rather i'm very ideological when it applies to practice right you know, how does it translate into your behavior and what's interesting about what you know the application of what you're saying is if you you look at cultures around the world the culture that I'm aware of that's most famous for its hospitality is probably Afghanistan sure mm. incredibly welcoming mm. uh, it used to be on the hippie trail mm -hmm. and uh, there are so many stories I've heard about people like going through there no money right you know their car breaks down whatever yep. and people just come out and invite them into their homes and feed them because there's this cultural uh, belief in you know protecting the and I'm responsible for you and you know just amazing beautiful well, shit, even like in the most sort of right-wing propaganda the lone survivor you know they did uh, the book uh, That's right. the, he gets it, taken in by that village yeah, yeah one the guys who save his life are also other Afghans who are like hardcore about hospitality right. and the risk their life so it's like that's yeah. why to me is uh, the problem is we got the people who are all very all people who come from that religion or from that part of the world, they are all equally evil and they suck. Okay, that's sort of racist and simple-minded. Then you have the other guys who are all like, we need to understand everybody. It's, every, it's a culture, it's difference, it's not good or bad. And it just like becomes that absolute relativism that's... Well, but what do we gain from judging the Taliban? He's not judging. He's uh, by claiming that they're bad or evil. What right. do we gain from that? No, no, not in terms of again it, judging. I agree, it's okay. bullshit, right? That's who cares? That's not what it's about. But it's about how can we promote ways of living that ways in the plural, by the way, because I don't believe there's one, but ways of living that allow us not to kill each other and to be pleasant with each other and read and wage a sort of 
ideological conflict against those mm, those mindsets that induce people to squash anybody was a different point. So of are view. you talking about engaging the Taliban with language? Uh, and I don't ideas? know if he's the Taliban, but he may be the he may be everybody else who's sitting on the fence trying to figure out which way to go. You know, because you're not gonna convert the guy who's like a right. hardcore three hundred percent fundamentalist. However, you want to define fundamentalist, you're not gonna go. Let's reason together, and let, that's not gonna work right. very well. But maybe everybody else who's sitting on the fence. So okay, getting to your point about judging the Taliban, yeah. that um, are there universal human qualities that we can all agree are good no so well I mean <laughs> no who's we <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> right <laughs> well I mean okay let's let's go with um, you know girls have a right to be educated yeah well okay so that's the kind of society I want to live in right um, but I don't want to say that's what that, that's the society that everyone should live in there are many many women in the Middle East who disagree with that who think it's terrible that women go to sure. school right uh, what do you want to do about that? Yeah, convince them that they're wrong well, about their are own. They? About are their they own wrong? Life. No, I, I can't decide for another person what how they should live their life, and what they should value. Should you? And in fact, that should we? Should we tell them what they well, should value? Well, this is the question. You know, are there things that are indisputably and then, good and versus evil, right, or, or no, bad? Or no, so you can make evil. A, so you're talking about moral claims, right? Right. So, so you can make a moral claim. People I mean, Danielle's been saying I support things that make us uh, kind to each other and not kill each other. So let's start with that. Is that something that right. we can say everyone should not be killing each other? So my my thing is you have to differentiate differentiate between moral claims mm -hmm. and self-interested claims right, right so right. I say and it's very hard. I want to live in a society where women go to school right or are able to yep. go to school right I don't want to say it is good for women to go to school or it is bad to disallow it why don't you want to say that because I don't want to make claims for other people okay how you how you right. or anyone else right. what you should value right. or how you should live um, because what happens is, of course, as we know from hundreds of years of interventions sure. that are very nasty, you know, once you start making those claims, then you have to back them up. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't right. have to. You don't have you to. You don't have to, but it doesn't. There's a contradiction if you don't, right? If you're going to say that those that those hold on that those women over there are being oppressed, right? And they don't even know themselves that they're being oppressed, right? Right. Um, well, isn't it your obligation to do something about it? No, because I, no. See that—that's okay. the same step where you took okay. uh, a few minutes ago. That I—I I think you can say, well, we won't trade with you. We won't um, send arms to your government, Saudi Arabia. Well, I think we could—we should just say, fuck you guys. We don't want your oil. We don't—we're not sending you any more missiles, whatever, because you are inspiring the sort of behavior that we find repulsive. Doesn't mean we have to go bomb them, right? You can you okay. can pursue non-engagement, but, but nonetheless, you're still giving a major justification that's been used by every imperialist ever. That's true for military that's intervention. True. Every imperialist, even if you have a hardcore Marxist economic interpretation of imperialism, you know they've all used that justification, and right. they've and they've won a lot of public support for interventions with yeah. that justification, right? 
I'm with you. I mean, I, I just finished writing a okay. book about the evils of civilization, Good. right? And, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's one of the main things. You know, we need to bring them civilization. Well, what exactly. if they don't want civilization? Well, they're just too stupid to know they want it. They need it. Precisely. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm aware of the, the dangers of this. But I, I still run up against the, this, this problem of like... It's just so arrogant, too. It's well, just so arrogant. But it's arrogant. I think it's arrogant. Like, the further you get from the base, the more arrogant it is. But if... But is it really arrogant to say, you know, um, uh, girls shouldn't have clitorectomies? Is that really arrogant? Yeah, because you're saying that our culture is superior. Or you're my, saying, or my you're saying that children should not have pieces of their body cut off. But some of the, a lot, clearly a lot of the people in those societies, including women and girls, disagree with you. But that's, I think that's the key point that you're making right there. The issue that you're hammering on is choice is the fact that people should mm. be free to do whatever the fuck they want with their life and it's not up to anybody else to tell them how to live their life. Yes. I completely agree, right? right? I think that's the one basic thing that we can agree on. With that, that means I am no pro, or rather, I can be grossed out, but that's my own personal issue. It's not, I can't establish it for everybody else. I can be grossed out by somebody else's choice, but as long as I allow them, it's fine, but that has to go to waste, that they... My problem is not that you make some stupid choice that I disagree with. That's my judgment. My problem is when your choice squashes somebody else's freedom of choice. Well, somebody right. else's. I don't know about that. Well, the if child it squashes my choice, if it squashes my choice, yeah, give me a gun. Sure. Um, but again, you're speaking on behalf of others there. Well, but when that's it, the thing. Is when like, your concern okay. is about other people. You have... Uh, Isn't that between the two there, the oppressor and the oppressed? Well, there are issues of power sometimes. If you see a 40-year-old kid who's running from some dude whipping him in the middle of the street and the kids say, save me, save me, are you going to say, well, you know, it's just between the two of them. I don't want to have to do it. it no, I like, would stop it because I want to live in a society in which my son can run freely in the streets. My point. So right? that's self-interest, right? right? That's not a moral claim. Mine is zero morality and but dual self-interest. But what we're talking about is people we've never met, never seen, never will see. Right. That we know nothing about except as abstractions. Okay, so then let's bring it home. Uh, by the way, I, I, I'm open to both, to every interpretation yeah, cool. yeah. here. I, I really don't know where I stand on these things. But here's one, one area I do feel, and I think this, this connects with what you're saying. Uh, when, when some Moroccan family comes to London or, mm -hmm. or to L.A., and then the father refuses to let the daughter date anybody and beats her uh, when she does, or insists that his little girls get clitorectomies, Sorry to keep going back sure, to that sure, example, sure. but no, it's, it's, no, a, no, it's, it's a, a classic example. one. Yeah. Right. So now do we have a right to say, wait a minute, dude, you moved to our culture, so fuck you and your beliefs. You right. came here, you're going to behave the way we insist, according to our Yeah, values. I've been thinking about this with the refugees, right? And you've, right. you've seen the stuff in Cologne yeah, and all that, right? Heavy, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I've been thinking, it's forced me to think through this stuff more carefully again. Um, no, I think a society, I think a society has... I hate to use the word right, but, um, well, again, let's, let's speak in terms of self-interest. If I lived in Cologne or in Germany, yeah, I would insist that they behave the way I want them to behave because they're so living, they're essentially people, living yeah. with me, right? right. Yeah, so it's right. my self. Well, and they're my, coming into your yeah. culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. that's self-interest. Yeah. And I'm all for that. Yeah. Right. I'm all for people speaking out of self-interest, right? Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah. And uh, I think, by the way, the I think it's, by the way, I do think it's totally criminal that the left has, basically apologized for those sexual assaults. Yeah. 
it's been it's disgusting. disgusting. Yep. Not just right. the German left, which has been yep. really bad. The mayor of Cologne, right? And what yep. she, she said about women. I mean, incredible. But especially shoot. after, what has it been, three years of being of hammering away at rape culture and sexual assaults in this country, many of which never happened, mm. right? Um, to now say, oh, well, it's Muslim men and we can't say anything about it. Right. No, fuck that. That's, that's the kind of relativism that grows me out, where it's sort of this... PC, well, it, I can't pick on other cultures, so everything goes. Yeah, I mean, stuff. To, oh boy, I don't even know if it's real. I mean, it is. It's a relativist argument, but it's sure. in the service of something else sure, that's even sure. more nefarious. Yeah. But yeah, it's just. What's it in the service of? God, the hierarchy of victimhood. You know, it's really <laughs> a good maintaining the, the hierarchy yeah. of victimhood, which they're yeah. always doing. It's like there's the Olympics of victimhood, right on the left. They're, they're always giving out medals. There's gold and silver oh, and bronze. Man. You should be writing for Saturday Night Live, man. Yeah. That would, that would be great. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that was true. Well, I didn't invent that one. Uh, the Olympics one I didn't invent. But yeah, they're, they're constantly sort of maintaining this. It's just... Uh, and I live in that world, right? So oh, yeah. I, I'm surprised you haven't been uh, expelled from it yet. I'm trying to expel myself. Are you? Yeah. Oh, you're you're setting up this. Uh... I'm establishing the a renegade the renegade university. Right. Tell us yeah. about that. Uh, well, it's um, I'm going to launch probably in the middle of this year, um, and it's going to be start with online lectures that you can download or watch as videos. Um, and it's focused on history. And it'll be it'll be history, American history, stuff I've written on mm -hmm. and and lectured on and taught about for year, 20 years. And political philosophy, which I've also taught in universities for 20 years. So, and then probably going to do some interactive seminars. And then also probably, if there's sufficient interest, do in-person seminars in, in West Coast cities. Right, right. So That'll be great. So you get a bunch of people in one hotel or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's already happening. People are doing it. But it's yeah. amazing. Not that much. Um, there's a school in Brooklyn that they have, they give these these courses that totally not accredited, you know, they charge 300 bucks for four sessions with some wow. PhD. And check it out, they talk about like, it's, the courses are about like the philosophy of Jacques Derrida and Kantian ethics, like really obscure academic stuff and they charge 300 bucks. Wow. Yeah. Um, and the teachers probably make more from that than they do at the university. Oh yeah, and there's no middleman, yeah. right? And so, so there's clearly a major market for this. Yeah. Um, and and I'm hoping politically that it that it serves to subvert the higher education system, which needs subversion mm. as much as I, anyone. Honestly, I, I've been saying for a couple of years that I, I think the educational system is ripe for a fall. Oh, and yeah. this is the way to do it. It's the same. It's Uber, it's yep. you know, Amazon, it's remove the, the big middleman that's taking a big cut, publishing. Right on. Like, why the fuck are we giving 80% of the money or more to publishers? Yeah. Right, What Absolutely. are they doing? Yeah. They're not doing anything for us anymore. I mean, I hope my editor's I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> Chris, yeah. keep it on the DL for a minute. <laughs> yeah, might wait a few months. But he's great, he's great. We'll, we'll see what happens. But my last one with, I'm with Harper was horrible. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, with education, it's amazing because, you know, people write to me all the time, young people like, oh, I don't know, where should I go to grad school? Should I do this? Like, you don't need to pay for knowledge. Well, I guess that's my question. So, because I think we're all on board on this plan. I think what Tad is doing is brilliant. That's a great idea and right we're, there. We're both hoping he'll hire us. Of course. Yeah, that's yeah, why we're kissing exactly. his ass right yeah, now to yeah. say, no, <laughs> the... 
I think my question is this, the part of the problem, that, like, let's be real, like why do 90% of the people go to college because they want to acquire knowledge? Fuck no, that's not it. It's they need the stupid uh, paper at the end that allows them to get a right. better job. <clears throat> so the point is, as long as these guys have a monopoly over the paper machine that released the diploma, right. then even in the best scenario, and the best scenario is not a bad one, I think this is cool, the fact that there is interest that people would pay money mm -hmm. to go at the set, that's great. But you're still talking about a fraction of the whole game of education because the reality is that is a very who the hell is gonna have three hundred bucks to pay to visit the place four times to go listen to the philosophy? Well, you know, well, it's like see, I'm not I, saying nobody. So, I, so I think but, yeah. that the power of the credential will That's be subverted, right? Say. So I mean, it I, already is. I mean, exactly. A BA, who gives a fuck? Well, yeah, well, yes and no. It's eh, there's oh, there's right. differences you, on you that. Guys teach in universities. I no, 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 there's no. that, but no. not only. <laughs> I I mean, I wish that were true. Yeah. All right, let me ask you this. Let me just say. So I I actually think that increasingly employers will look at you know something on a resume from a, a non-accredited school like this Brooklyn's called mm -hmm. the Institute Brooklyn Institute for Social Research or something and say oh wow that means something to me that means you're smart or you know motivated something. yeah and that will yeah. be a point in your favor even though there's no yeah. accreditation even though it's not Harvard or Columbia uh, and I'm hoping that Renegade University will serve the same function you know well and also you know along with the the piece of the certificate or whatever they're getting potentially there's a letter from exactly thad russell who wrote renegade history of that's right usa or america i always mean united states united yeah. states uh and, and like oh this guy's well known in his field and you studied with him you have a so it becomes a mentorship model a absolutely and from what i'm hearing a lot of employers they don't really give a fuck because they know you go punch the clock at you know whatever school sure. you got into because your dad went there. Versus you got off your ass, you made contact with this guy who's done work that you find interesting. Yep. You went and helped him or her, and you know you that shows all sorts of things that are far more valuable to an employer than you know. Oh, you and twenty thousand other people went to UCLA. Who gives a shit? You know, I agree. You agree, I, I think you're right, agrees. and I hope you're right. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's the whole part that I'm, I don't know if I'm too negative on this, but I, I think that there is a market for that and it's increasing yeah. and there's no yes. argument there. But I think that you are still talking about tiny exceptions to the rule. So where you have the, you know, if you go to Omnit, Aubrey Marcos, he's not going to look at uh, which university you graduated from. Right. He's going to have exactly what you're talking about, right. looking for something that makes you special. But realistically, how many places do that today or even will do it in 10 years? I don't know. I'm seriously hoping that that's the direction where it's going. I, but I would say the places you would want to work mm -hmm. are thinking that way. The they places are. who aren't thinking that way, who the fuck wants to work You there? don't want to that's deal with them That's some you know, anyway. warehouse job or, you know, they're the, looking for mindless drones. Right. The economics of it is in our favor too, right? Right. So the, I mean, the price keeps going up and up and oh, up. And it's yeah. already Student debt ridiculous. keeps going up and up and up. Yeah. And... I think the value of those degrees is going down. Oh, it's dramatically so it's this going bizarre down. bubble. Yeah. You know, it ha I don't know if it's going to pop, but it has to. It has to shrink at some right. point. But I think it already is. I mean, there, so there is massive. There is already uh, these massive online courses, right? Mm -hmm. um, that you know, they're they're within the university system, 
but they show that there's tremendous demand for it. Right. There's thousands yeah. and th millions of people who are taking those or courses. Or in the Khan Academy, right? That's, the that's Khan not Academy. associated with any university. No. Uh, right, but there's Coursera, there's Udemy, um, and there's edX, mm -hmm. which I think are all through universities. Mm -hmm. but, the, but, the, but the point is that there's millions of people taking those courses. Right. Right. Um, so there's a, there's a huge demand, mm -hmm. but you know, like in the worlds that we, the three of us are in, uh, outside of academia, academia, I mean, that sort of taught me that there's this massive interest mm -hmm. in ideas right. and talking and thinking and reading about stuff. I mean, you know, I just said this to Joe Rogan, like he's a great example, right? I don't, did he even go to college or did he graduate from college or clearly not at all an academic in any no, way, but he's. Clearly fascinated with the world, and he's sure. really curious sure. and interested in big ideas and small ideas and science and philosophy and politics yeah. and all the rest of it, right? And he reads and reads and reads and reads and talks and talks and talks and talks. I think he represents a lot of people, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's clearly, why. That's that, why clearly, that's why he gets so many. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess the part that's tricky to me is that you're right. That's a fact. And you look at like uh, you know how many Rogan listeners are out there. It's a city pretty much yeah. it's like bigger than little <laughs> it's, it's bigger than most <laughs> cities city. you know yeah and yet at the same time when you're talking about the economic aspect of it all when you talk about like if you look at podcasting right you know we put it out for free great with the idea that oh i do things for free people donate because they are nice the reality is that is like out of podcasting if 0.2 percent of your listeners donate you're saying damn it went well you know <laughs> that's amazing because the reality is that it's just not how it works. So part of it is the economic of the game don't add up in the sense that people pay. And I'm not talking about exception because there are the sweet people who randomly send money for stuff that's given to them for free or who invest in things. But the majority of people don't pay worth shit, anything. You know, if you're talking about you can have three gazillion listeners, how many of them are going to buy your book? That's a different kind of game present company excluded because you know what happened with sex and don is a whole different kind of story but you know or you release things for free with suddenly you do something that's for pay usually people want to get something that's not just the product itself because we have a culture now that through youtube through free downloads through stuff we get just about any kind of entertainment we want for free the economics of it so i don't know i mean none of us really really know right. do we i mean i don't know the statistics on this but i mean there's there's some percentage of people pay some amount of money for these things right sure. to you know for knowledge alone um what is it i don't know how many people are there in the united states who are willing to pay five dollars for an interesting podcast or one dollar or ten dollars or a hundred dollars for an interesting lecture right i don't know uh people pay lots of money for books yeah and and also as i said before i think it's a lot of it is also the value of the personal contact with someone whose work you admire yes so you're 22 years old and you love history and they've read your book or one sure. of your books and it's like, wow, I get to hang out with those guys, yeah. you know, and meet them and tell them this idea I have and get the feedback. I mean, I think that's what people are going to pay for. Yeah. I think and, so. and I think something you did with um, some of the events that you did associated with Sex and Dawn, where you are kind of making it as a joke, as, a, hey, this is a dating site or oh, something. Yeah, this is like, yeah. I think there's something to that, not the dating site part, but the idea of uh, community, you know, the idea of creating mm. not just somebody online at their computer, mm. download their thing. Sure, right. that's cool. That's one model. Right. But also bring it back to uh, five days in summer, uh, the course you want to run on a historical topic associated with another thing that you bring associated with another, you know, you bring three, four things together right. and people show up 
hang out and the point is not just what they learn from you right. the point is meeting other people who are in the same kind of field yeah. or not field but who are in the same interest. who have the same interest by exactly. a passion and you get and that's to, the best place to meet a partner absolutely the, you know like that is the best way to meet somebody not in a fucking bar people. right exactly <laughs> you know in yep. a place where you know they share your passion exactly whether it's history or mm-hmm. anthropology or whatever the fuck it is that to me as a future yeah because that always will have i mean mm, if right. anything it will have even more precisely because through thanks to technology we get to stay home a lot more we got to do what we want in our own little house you don't need to go right. out right but then you still need to meet people at some point so you're talking you about wanna... like retreats yeah uh-huh. Yeah, or conferences, yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, but more le- like sort of informal conferences yeah. over a weekend or a week or a month yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. community. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah I, I'm totally with that. Yeah, and apparently I have a friend who's like an investor and does all sorts of stuff, and he was saying like there is no uh, company doing events that's losing mm-hmm. money these days. Really? That it's a booming, exploding world. Huh. Yeah, all these, you know, TED obviously mm-hmm. is huge money, but. Um, the Summit series, have you heard about this? Mm-hmm. No. They do, um, <clears throat> it's like a TED thing, you know, where they, they basically have someone like one of us there as, uh, you know, the, the people want to meet and they want to hang out because they've read your book or they've heard of you or whatever. And they don't pay us anything. Right. They just invite us and, you know, yeah. oh, and they treat us nice and they you blow smoke up our ass. But then those other people are paying four or five thousand dollars for a long weekend. They don't pay speakers. No, they don't pay speakers. Which, yeah, I, they invited That's me monstrous. to a thing, and 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 the way they played it pissed me off what? because they didn't tell me they weren't paying me. I had to like after three or four emails, I had to say, no, exactly what are you offering me, people? Yeah. Like, oh well, you know, no, just this great opportunity to hang out with you know all these big you know CEOs and stuff, and it was a they do a cruise. And uh, so I was like, yeah, I can hang out with rich people for free. You know, I mean, I don't need to fly myself to Miami and like be on call 24 hours. So I blew them off. And then since then, I heard from like four or five people who were on the cruise who said it was fantastic, including Graham Hancock. He, he did it. But the thing is, hmm. I'm sure it can be fantastic, but it's still fucked up. Because well, you have somebody yeah. who's making bank and yeah. you are relying on a bunch of people. Like, I don't dig that much. Okay, well, here's the thing, though. If, you're, if your thing is going to be helped by con- having contact with all these rich people, then it makes sense for you. I'm not going to sell right. a lot more books sure. because I hung out with Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah right. of course. So there's really no value in it for yeah. me, which is why I blew it off. But that's unusual, though. I mean, I've been invited to lots of events like that and cruises, too, where I've been paid a lot. So well, I don't know it. how they're getting away with that. Right, hook us up. Yeah, hook us up, man. Because, I mean, well, I've you, done a you? lot of speaking things. Most of them have been for nothing or next to nothing that what? they've offered me. I've done that, me. too, but I've been paid. Many, many times. I got paid. I get paid for the international ones. Huh. The ones in the U.S.? Really? Yeah, maybe three, four that I've been paid serious money. But other than that, it's a couple hundred bucks. So what we should do is organize our own. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. And and this friend of mine, the business guy, he's looking to do it. And I And I was like, you know, I'd be, we even had an idea for the name, Instead. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you are, but that's why inviting you're, the lawsuit but for that, the publicity. You know? That's why you're why a terrible not? business man because 
delete this from the podcast quick. Because somebody, will do it. yeah, because this is genius. Well, they'll I invite love us. It. Uh, Danielle, tell us about your new podcast, your new, your podcast. new Dan Carlin ripoff podcast. <laughs> hey now, <laughs> your, your your shameless Dan Carlin ripoff podcast. Well, you know, after a while, I am slow indeed, but after a while, like. Even I can put two and two together, uh, so I'm like, hmm. There's a market for this shit. Well, not just it's that. Called it's called spaghetti like, history, right? I mean, that's exactly right. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> history with tomato sauce. Here were the three elements, I figure. Uh-huh. So I've been teaching history since 2001, and I have a certain style of doing it and approach. Part of the reason why I like Dan Carlin's stuff is because it fits with the way I handle history, that's right. sort of my approach. <coughs> and then I do podcasting. Hmm, right. let's see what the sum of this element <laughs> leads to. It's like, well, do your own fucking historical podcast. That just seemed to be the logical conclusion. Yeah, you're, you're doing the research anyway. You're preparing lectures. Exactly. You know what sort of questions people and have. And you're already doing podcasting in other exactly. ways. You might as well put it all together. It, so his, This podcast is awesome yeah yeah i've only I'm, listened I'm to the biased first episode because he's one of my best friends but it's true and i because i i didn't know when i first listened to it how <laughs> honestly how good it was going to be um <laughs> let's but see it, it's uh it's really it's i think it's as good as carlin i mean it's really really good yeah and it's and it, the, i have told him this many times but it's like the nuance of it as a historian i was i was just very impressed with the nuance of it um, and the way he treats sources and doesn't and very careful about making claims mm. based on the sources um, it's and the storytelling and the flow and it's awesome it's it's Carlin with an Italian accent <laughs> my deep deep thanks that's awesome it's true man it's yeah. true everyone should listen to it no and, and I'm having it. I'm having a blast doing it I'm like I mean this is stuff I enjoy you right. know is the the research part is brutal because yeah. you have to read like you wouldn't believe how much you have to read in right. ahead so you have like maybe 200 hours of research going to one episode or something insane like that but then when you get to record then it's fun storytelling you know yeah. then that's when that's when you're fun you've done and, uh, how many four 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 yeah. and um and it's um i enjoy the fact that there's um i think that's where it's going for me the storytelling direction i realize this is kind of what i'm good at and what i enjoy so it right. makes more sense for me to go down that path both in podcasting with history on fire probably i want to do more like writing fiction down the road yeah. Historical that's the fiction. yeah that's the direction overall but yeah, so far I had a blast. The feedback has been great. People seem to love it. Yeah, I've um, seen on, on social media people yeah. are definitely digging it. What are the, what are the four episodes that you've done? The so ones far? I've done so far, I've done. Um, so slave revolt. Uh, yeah, slave revolts in the in uh, the Roman War. There were three of them. So I did one episode at the first two. The third one, Spartacus, it was the third and last. Uh, then I did one about this guy who was found. Uh, they found the body this frozen body of this dude in the Alps in the 1990s and they do Oxy. radiocarbon dating exactly oh, right. and this from 5,000 years ago is this awesome murder mystery story yeah. I dig that one a lot and that one is different from what like Dan Carlin would tackle you know yeah. he tackles you know slave revolt would be his type of topic right. Otzi not so much yeah. so it's, uh, and then I did uh, now I'm doing a more Dan Carlin-esque one about the the Persian expedition of these 10,000 Greek mercenaries who fought for one Persian prince against his brother. When their guy dies, now they're in the middle of the Persian Empire, everybody hates their guts and they have to make their way back. 
incidentally that's what the Walter Hill movie Warriors uh, or what was it 1979 something like that which was like New York gangs adaptation of that story that's what it's based on it's oh um, really yeah it's wow. uh, it's a pretty powerful story it's fun and then uh, some of the ones I want to do I want to like the rest of the year I want to do a lot of uh, Lakota um, like native uh, versus US conflict. oh really oh that'll I'm be I'm gonna do a buy of crazy horse I'm gonna do a few of the lead up to the little bighorn battle and the conflicts with that I badly want to do, do a Chief I Joseph. Yeah, that's a powerful Man, one. That's yeah. amazing. That's a really powerful. There are so many that are good. Yeah. There's one that yeah, I'm Geronimo. dying to do. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful right there. That's something that Carlin tackled already. He did it masterfully. Oh, so did I he? Kind of don't want to. I didn't know he did a Native very American early, stuff. very early one. He, uh, he was a one off. It was one about the Apache that he did. Uh, Great episode. And that was fuck, it. It's behind the paywall, that exactly. bastard. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the monetization thing worked out. It's well, audible and a paywall. Good for him. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely good for him. I'm dying to do the um, the life of Italian painter Caravaggio uh -huh. because not only he's like this must like he's a lot of paintings. I look at it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Caravaggio is powerful. He's emotional. He's intense. Mm. But here was a guy who was uh, painting the greatest masterpieces of the Renaissance, and in the same day he would get in a sword fight over a hooker and kill somebody and have to be on the run, escape from prison. Like his life is absolutely <laughs> my kind of guy. It's just <laughs> awesome. So, oh, yeah, so yeah, uh, topics are not going to run out anytime soon. Let's yeah. put it that way. There's so much good stuff. So you're all there. over the place. It's not just military nope. history. It's it's whatever interests you. That's fantastic. The best possible and it's world. It's not just Italy either. No, not at yeah. all. I want to be all over. The right. best possible world I would like to do as little military history as possible. Right. The problem is that, and that's something that I would love to discuss with Dan Carlin, is why the hell, when we turn to sources, so much of history is uh, military stuff. Yeah. It's always about wars and conflict and this and the other, whereas some of the cultural history stuff that we dig tend to be pushed aside and you don't... There's less, there's less available. There's a lot less available to play with, mm. with topics that are not just about so-and-so went out and killed so-and-so. Well, especially yeah. in the ancient world. It's yeah, really hard. especially in the, the ancient stuff you world. Do, very I mean, I only do stuff since, you know, in the modern world, yeah. which it's still hard to find, but it's there. Yeah. You know? And certainly in the 20th century. Yeah. You can do cultural history pretty richly now. I guess one of my problems is that with a lot of cultural history becomes very... Mm, I like stories with characters right. you know with uh, and in many cases if you have the big battle the war the something there's the clear climatic moment where it's leading up to without those sometimes you get less of the stories and you have to dig a little deeper to find like cool characters who did amazing stuff that blow you away that does not involve chopping people's head off yeah and um but but that's what i would like to do i would like to bring up as many of those as possible yeah, well, if you think of civilization as I do, as a super organism mm -hmm. <clears throat> that often uh, has interests that are in opposition to the interests of the individual organisms within it, yep. and it's a very violent, ruthless, uh, unfeeling or organism like corporations, mm -hmm. well, then you can see how the focus on the military is a self-replication of a system, right, yep. that's already got its, its bloodlust and... So it sort of feeds into the neo-Hobbesian worldview and all that business. Do you ever, do you feel like when you write a book, like you download shit from your brain? 
and like you don't have to think about it anymore <laughs> sometimes because like right now i'm thinking like oh man like i am so steeped in that stuff right that, uh it, it's like i just want to like not think about it anymore i just right. want to go well i thought i was going to be in thailand right now not thinking about it well the thing is once you write a book then you have to spend the next five to ten years talking about it exactly constantly yeah yeah, yeah. if you're lucky if anybody gives a shit yeah yeah exactly i mean yeah. i couldn't even tell you how many times i've given a talk or an interview on renegade where i where, where i've have where i've had to give give the you know the basic narrative of it i mean 200 right 500 i could be a thousand times in yeah. five years i yeah. don't know um, but you know, I after a while, you get, it, you get really good at it. You can give the speech while playing porn in your head, and it works anyway. Yeah. And it's... I mean, it is amazing. I used to, you know, as a teacher, you know, I would, wouldn't dream of going up to the lectern without a full set of notes. Yeah. Uh, and now I walk up with nothing. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't ever have it. For the last five or six years, I, I don't have any notes when I teach or give a talk. Really? Nothing. You're the Miles Davis Zero. of history. Damn. Yeah. yeah. Badass mofo. Yeah. Examine yeah. away. Well, that's yeah. pretty cool, though, when you know your shit that well that you yeah. can just go up there and. I feel like I did sort of turn a corner uh, yeah. with that, yeah. Um, well, that was one of the issues I had with Ted, honestly, is that they required me to have everything so absolutely nailed down and I don't do it that way that's not my style I like to go up and have a general sense of what I'm gonna say but also notice the energy in the room how are people feeling is this a crowd that likes to laugh is this a crowd that wants to get you know serious Are these data hounds or you know are they like narrative and and just sort of mix it up and go from there. But man, they were having none of that. I dig it. Let's create a flexible TED that doesn't rip speakers off. That would be a nice... Yeah, uh... yeah. and the idea was to have like a downtown TED, right? Because mm-hmm. TED's very concerned at this point with protecting their brand. Sure. And so there's a, I think there's a huge opening for the kind of people, like the, the Rogan crowd, right? Yep. Like the oh, people yeah. who are not afraid to talk about drugs, they want to talk Absolutely. about drugs. Ted is like NPR, yeah. I mean, in terms of yeah. sensibilities. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I am not about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very conservative, buttoned down. I mean, you know, they're all liberals, of course. Right. But th- in that way, that liberals are very, you know, repressed and uptight and <laughs> careful. <laughs> so so who the hell are you, man? What, what, what is Who the your, hell am I? Who the hell are you? Should have started with that question. I normally <laughs> start asking that. But I mean, I, I can't figure out, you know, half the time I see you post something online and I'm like, hell yeah. And then the other half of the time, I'm like, is he just fucking with me? Is he trolling away? What is this shit, man? What's your... Yeah, that's what a lot of people say about Do me. you have a, a philosophy? Um, I mean, do you have a, 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 an identifiable stance toward the world? Uh, <laughs> is, there a, me, is there a me. category you can imprison me in? Is that what you're asking? That's exactly what I'm asking. Uh, no, oh, okay. no. I mean, no. I, you know, I come from the left. I am also very influenced by libertarianism, um, and I respect, but I'm not. Uh, I respect conservatives, but I'm clearly not a conservative. Um, right. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm, I'm my own man, dude. So, like, what do you want to know? Okay, so here we are. I'm sitting here with two esteemed historians, and uh, we're in the election year. It seems like we're always in a fucking election year. But so, where, where are you in this? Are you? you so boring. I don't think you're into Bernie. I am. You know, as everyone knows, I'm a very, very political person. Right. But what's least interesting to me about you're politics? Fucking curmudgeon is what is, you are. Is the horse race? Yeah. So are, are there any... How am I a curmudgeon? Well, in politics, because you hate oh. everybody. Oh, 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 yeah, sure. I mean, is there if, anyone in the political scene that you would be like, like knocking a, on doors for? I'm like a Grinch. 
Yeah. The political Grinch. The political Grinch. No. No, there is not. Yeah. Like Elizabeth Warren wouldn't no, get you out of the terrible. house? No, they're all terrible. She's terrible? They're all terrible. How is Elizabeth Warren terrible? <laughs> she's like everybody's favorite grandmother. She's, you know, defending the poor. She's anti-Wall Street. Like, how is Elizabeth Warren terrible, man? Um, well, she's an Indian. I don't like Indians. <laughs> is that racist? <laughs> Um, <laughs> she's an Indian. That's funny. Yeah, uh, she's bad on foreign policy. Foreign policy? Why? She's, she, she's pro-Israel she's, or something? Yeah, she's pro-Israel. She's pro. I think occupation in Afghanistan at least was. I think she favored the invasion of Iraq. She's been not so great on um, state surveillance. The stuff about Wall Street, the economic stuff, I think is mostly bullshit. Um, you think she doesn't believe it? Um, I'm not sure what the policies would reap huh. that she's that she's proposing. All right, so let me ask you this: Do you think the American political but she's not system, running? Bernie's running. We can talk about Bernie. Yeah. Well, I, or a larger question, which is whether or not the American political system is actually uh, capable of producing significant change, or if it's all just a show to yeah, distract no, us. Yeah, no, no, it's not. I mean, it's it's definitely rigged. I mean. Um, to me, the political system, the electoral pol- political system, the problem with it is there's no choice, yeah. right? And so that it's it's rigged in a way that the duopoly is is replicated, right? Forever. It's the in illusion perpetuity. of choice. Um, so, so I mean, but even if we eliminated those rules and had sort of a parliamentary democracy like in Europe, it'd be better. But it's or even that wouldn't, you know. Bring utopia. So, but I, I well, but that's, but that's well, certainly. that's a high fucking order. Yeah. Bring but, utopia. Is that your definition of a reasonable well, political system? I like system? utopia. There's lots of sex in utopia. From well, what I hear. From what I hear. Utopia, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, I think, I think that is something that needs to be done, though. You know, Ralph Nader and Ron Paul have joined together repeatedly over this. There's a bunch of rules that basically make it impossible for third parties to enter. Yeah. And they want to eliminate those rules. I think that's a great thing. I think it's criminal that the left hardly ever talks about these. No one ever talks about these things. Um, That's really essential. We have to have the same kind of choice for candidates as we do for cereal and supermarkets. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, definitely. And we should be able to vote uh, on our phones. It should be easy to vote. It should Mm -hmm. be a day off from work. So even poor working people can vote. Yeah, the whole thing's completely And we should have very short terms. For, yeah. Right. They should be like a year because they need to be worried about us yeah. all the time. They need to be accountable to us. Uh, all although, the time. but then you get the the voting mm-hmm. frenzy never ends. Mm-hmm. You know, we want them. We don't want them to have long terms, right? They they want they don't want to feel secure in their position. Hmm. I would be in favor of ten year terms on the Supreme Court. Yeah, I think short, the lifetime. Well, the shorter the better for yeah. me. For me. Um. Yeah, and if you're revealed to be a complete fucking idiot, you lose your seat. Clarence Thomas. Yeah, by, strictly by my own judgment. But yeah, I think we can yeah. agree on that. Yeah. I oh, think yeah. the three of us should have a yeah, veto like, on any Supreme Court nomination. I'm all for that. Yeah. I don't know if I want you guys to have vetoes. But I, <laughs> I, I, otherwise, I like the plan. You just vetoed our vetoes. What the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah. All right. Otherwise, it's a perfect plan. So much plan. for utopia. <laughs> well, if I'm not involved, you're not getting sex in your utopia, man. Oh, oh okay. I'm going to hook you, you, you up my, with that prehistoric You can be my poontang. minister of sex. Yeah, <laughs> the minister of sex. <laughs> uh, Daniele, do you give a shit about American politics, or are you like, hey, I'm a foreigner, I don't no, have to? No, I mean, it's, 
the problem with politics in general is that when you're talking about you know high level game uh, and by high level i just mean what's recognized as high level you know just the the election who's president right. who's formal that, politics it's inherently a corrupt system and i don't mean just us i mean if you look at the politics in most countries is an inherently corrupt system yeah. you know because any time yeah. where you have uh, you know theoretically speaking you have this idea that you have uh, somebody who makes decision purely based on what's best for the country the reality is that not even you go into the ideological issues of who's actually making those decisions, but just the basics of who gets to make them, how do they end up in right. that position. The whole game is based on money, is based on interest, and based on things you have to sell. Yeah. In order I, prefer, to I prefer corrupt politicians to ideological politicians. I think the latter are more dangerous. Yeah, I guess it depends on whose ideology. You oh, know, it's sure. kind of like, it's always that thing. It's the like, true, yeah, if the you... The true believers tend to be the ones who kill the most people. Yeah, no, you definitely get that, for yeah. sure. You get the guys who are like, I'm going to reform society to my vision and everybody. And that goes back to me. If, like, the, if the ideologies, we all agree that on freedom of choice, allowing people to live their life, that should be the guiding principle, then I have no problem with Because that means you're not fucking taking away my freedom to impose your ideology on mm -hmm. me. The problem is the guys that, as you say, have their idea of how it's going to be good for everybody. Like Teddy Roosevelt. And then they want to come in and impose it on everybody. And yep. that becomes the big issue. To me, in fact, when it comes to politics, is there are two ways to look at it for me. There's the fuck it, it's all corrupt, it's never going to change, which is largely true. And there's the other that is, oh shit, well, that's the only game you got in terms of actually pick the lesser of whatever many evils are there. I guess more evils the better in that regard to have some right. more degrees of choice right. and figure out who's less shitty. They both make sense. You know, they both are legitimate to one degree because one is more... So, and when it comes to that, yeah, is there ever a candidate that I'm like, yes, that guy, I love that guy. No, there's however the guy where I'm like, well, if it's between this guy, this guy, and this guy, shit, this guy, I don't like him, but by comparison, he's a saint, you know, that's sort of yeah. my approach. The question yeah. is, who are these, who are politicians, right? It's like yeah. the personalities of these people. I mean, these are people who are interested in controlling the lives of other people, mm -hmm. right? To begin with. They're interested yeah. in doing things for me. They presume things about me but without ever having met me. You know, that alone should cause us to at least pause before we yeah. throw our support to them. No, they, it's not even presume, support. They presume uh, things about us. The way it's I amazing. picture it is we're in jail and we get to pick who the overseer of our section of the jail is. And it's kind of like, uh, do I well, pick the Nazi guy who beat us daily or do I pick the guy who's just paternalistic? But, uh, yeah. But the, yeah. And then also they will be in charge of the monopoly on violence, which is the, is the sure. state. You know, people yeah. don't understand that, that every law is enforced at the point of a gun at the end sure. of the day. Every law is enforced that way. That's what happens to you ultimately if you don't follow the law mm -hmm. so you're talking about people who have control over that that power sure. that system that monopoly on violence monopoly on legitimate violence but that's why in that case i want the guy who's less likely to club me on the head oh absolutely yeah and um, right okay so no and this gets to your point daniele uh i i feel the same way about this you know like okay who's the less evil and yeah. whatever but I have to say, I think that if Obama were sitting here in the room with us, we'd be having a good time. <laughs> now, see, that's that's yeah. what brings out that right, right, the, right. the yeah. smug. Okay, the I have I, evidence against that. I, I his his appearance on the Mark Maron podcast. Did you listen to it? No. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was an hour long were, speech. Giving uh, it was a Maron speech. shit. Huh. It was a political speech. It sounded just like him on the stump. All right. You Did know? you see? Well, that's Maron's fault. 
Oh, partly, yeah. yeah. As you know, I took him to task for that. Yeah, but did... it's also Obama. It's who he's not going to have fun with us. You mean on a podcast, or you mean just hanging no, out? No, I mean just hanging out. Oh, um, yeah. no, because a podcast he's got to play his role. But I mean, did you see him on the uh, comedians in cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld? No, I'm it's like. The thing about Obama, and, and I agree with you, like, who are these people? I made a big deal in this, this book I just sent to the publisher about uh, how in prehistoric societies or modern hunter-gatherer societies, the one thing you can do to um, disqualify yourself from any position of leadership is show any interest in being in a position of leadership. Mm -hmm. So the chief, the chief, there are chiefs mm -hmm. of, you know, chiefs come and go. And what determines who the leader is is whose opinion carries weight. It's not because they have a, a, a monopoly on violence, as you're saying, because in a foraging society, everybody's armed. Everybody knows how to shoot. Everybody's, okay. you know, dangerous if they want to be. Uh, there's no standing army and there's no there's that no bullshit. State. There's, there's no state. state. Yeah, exactly. There's no state. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Um, so, you know, you're a leader just because people listen more closely when you speak. Yep. And that's because you're cool. That's because yep. you have a history of being smart. That's because you don't show any interest in telling other people what to do. Right. So it's a whole it's a 180 degree different political culture mm. than what we have, where right. if you don't have the fire in the belly, you're not going to make yep. it. Well, fire in the belly should be a disqualification. <laughs> you want to be a leader? No, Fuck you. Right. You're sick. Yep. You're sick. There's something wrong with you. But having said that, I honestly feel like Obama is a cool guy. Now, I'm not saying, <laughs> you know, the people who get blown up by his drones are cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. What does the cool mean? I, mean, I think Bush was cool. I think he has a sense I think, of I can, humor. I could have a beer Bush with Bush. wasn't cool. Bush a was a fucking so yahoo. What? So what? All right, you were you were saying that Obama. You, you were saying that fuck Bush is guys. cool. Fuck all those guys. Seriously. Okay, okay, like, but yeah, fuck them all. Jimmy one, Carter. You think Jimmy Carter's an asshole? Spending one second. Come on, listen to me. Come on, listen to me. Spending one second talking about how any of those politicians are cool <laughs> serves their purposes against us. It makes it easier for Obama to bomb people, to spy on people, to put people in prison, to uh -huh. deport people. It makes it easier for him to do those things without opposition. Okay. It takes opposition away from him. To humanize them in that way... They are humans, reduces though. ...reduces the opposition. To, it makes it harder to oppose them. It makes it easier for them to do all the evil that they do. That's why I don't want to spend one second saying anything nice about them as people. It makes me sick when people do that, especially people like Mark Maron and those who claim to be countercultural and edgy and left-wing, etc., who do that. I think all it does is serve power. And that where, to me, goes back to where we started, in a way, with the relationship between establishing the truth versus the self-interest, you know, the moral claim versus... Do I even give a fuck about whether Obama is cool or not, or whether there's like he's inherently a good guy or mm -hmm. not? Not particularly. What I care about is not even his political legacy as a whole or anything. It's like a, about this issue, where do you stand? Oh, I disagree with you. About this issue, where do you stand? No, I agree with you. That's a good point. Okay, we're, we are together on right. this one. About this, you know, very practical. And I think we get lost so much into the, the big claims, you know, right. good or bad. Is this person good or bad? Is this religion am, good well, or bad? Well, I'm all for okay. I'm all for a, quickly, I'm all yeah. for a, I love a practical approach to politics. Right. I love that, right? So when Obama occasionally does something that I like, yeah. I say, I'm glad he did this sure. or I agree with this. I never say it's because, or I never suggest it's because he's a good guy. Right. Which is what most of his supporters do. It's like, Obama's such a great guy. Look what he just gave us. Right? That's, yeah. that's the difference. Don't merge your identity with the head of state, with political leaders, 
with anyone representing the state. Nope. Never merge your identity with them. Never personalize it. Take what you can from them. Don't and don't be grateful for that. Right. <laughs> right. Take it. Don't don't throw it in their face, but take it from them. But never as- ascribe it to their personality. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you're a historian. Danielle's a historian. I don't have a full-time job. So the three of us <laughs> have time to think about all this shit Correct. issue by issue. Sure. 99% of the people don't. So mm-hmm. 99% of the, it's like going to a doctor and saying, you know, like, "Oh, where did you study and who did you work with and what, you know, what uh, surgery have you done and how have you done this and what did you do? Like most people just like, "Do I like this guy or not? Mm-hmm. Is do, can I trust this person or not?" Sure. And you sort of have to break it down. Like, is he? I look at Obama. I say his wife's cool. His kids are cool. How is his wife cool? Because she. How is his wife cool? She's cool. She, she's got a sense of humor. She tells you what food to eat. She doesn't That's what tell she does. me. I've, she's never yes, she told does. me what to eat. <laughs> never. That's what she does. That's she exactly what she does. I'll tell you what. In this country, people need to be told what ah, to eat. Ah, now the truth in comes out. In this fucking country know. of obesity uh, and fucked up okay. microbiomes and so antibiotic pre- so, overuse. So the, and, so the heads of state should be telling us what to eat. Look, nobody's holding a gun to your head telling you no, what to eat. But they're taking my money at the oh, moment. They're taking my money. Telling the good folks who are listening in this moment, in this moment, I'm cheerfully about to grab a beer as I put the gloves on both sides uh-huh. and enjoy this match. This yeah, did fun. Michelle Obama consent to you having that beer? Because <laughs> according to Thad, she's like standing here watching every beer we drink. Don't eat those nachos, Thad. Cheers. Take it from the first lady. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. She does have nice arms. I'll say. She's I'll say got that. beautiful shoulders, yeah. and those girls are beautiful girls. They're funny. They're they're sassy. There you go, Chris. Chris, what are you doing, man? You're what I'm, power. What I'm doing is Mr. Anti Civilization. Like God. Look, I I look at a person and I see how their dog reacts to them, and that tells me what kind of person they are. Because they can bullshit me, but they can't bullshit their dog. Oh. Okay. So I, no, so, I'm equating Obama's daughters with dogs. I think Mussolini I know. had a dog, didn't he? <laughs> I would like to point out that but in did the his course, dog love him? Yeah, I'm sure. I'll bet Hitler had I'm some sure. dogs. I would yeah. like to point out that in the course of this conversation, <laughs> tax dogs came up to me three times to get pet appropriately. Oh. Yeah, so, yeah, and he's ignored me completely. So I should yeah. rule the universe. I think that's, that's the right. conclusion we can derive <laughs> from this. That's right. Daniel yeah. is the president. Yes. <laughs> Daniel. Well, honestly, I think that what we should do, given the insights into politics, you know, from prehistory, is we should we should choose someone who doesn't want to be president and run them for president. Force them. Force Draft them. them. Draft them into uh it, right? Mm -hmm. And I can see the advertising campaign right now, right? It would be like the camera opens on someone sitting on the toilet reading the paper and it would be like, Thad, wrestle for president. And Thad would be like, get him out of here. Leave me alone. I told you to leave me alone. (laughs) I agree. I agree. It should be uh, reluctant leadership. I've been a long-time proponent of Dan Carlin for president, uh, I think. And, uh, and of course, Dan is completely opposed to any kind of political involvement. Well, then I he's the perfect he, guy. I, see, I agree. Yeah, we need uh, incompetent, reluctant politicians. <laughs> like, I, I think it should be Ron Jeremy. Yeah, I like that too. Ron um, Jeremy, yeah. Well, that I, would. I'm pretty sure he does not want to be president. <laughs> so it's the first qualification. But, well, but, Second is he wants to be left alone. Uh-huh. That's good. All right. And I think he wants other people to be left alone. And the third, you want a president with a giant schlong. And the schlong. Yeah. Yeah. You it, want to... It's, uh, you know, it'll get the votes anyway. So is <laughs> is this whole Trump thing a parody or is this real? Do you, do you think Trump's real? 
What does real mean, though? Yeah, what yeah. does real mean? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. I mean, he's certainly putting a lot of effort into it. <laughs> And a lot of money into it. Well, no, there is own. clearly he a reason why he's his doing own money it. yet, has hasn't he? he? I think no, is. I think it's all free publicity, just because he knows how to play the media. Oh, I think he said he was going to sh- start spending money. I don't know in Iowa well, or after anyway, Iowa. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't be flying to you know the middle of Iowa to give speeches every week if you weren't serious about this, right? I don't. I guess I don't know. I don't know. But um, well, what's your question? I have some answers. What's your question? Just, we'll throw out your answers and then we'll figure out what the question was. I mean, I do think on one level, like it is his popularity is due to political correctness, actually. Mm. I think that he yeah, is he's saying things you're not supposed to say, you know, that have been repressed. It's the return of the repressed, yeah. to use a Freudian phrase. Well, that's it. He's not, it doesn't seem like he's asking for anything. Like he's not asking for approval. Right. He's, he's, he's just, just telling like, us what he thinks. Fuck you, yeah. Yeah, which you're not allowed to do, actually, in yeah. politics. Um, so in that way, I think it's a positive, actually. In every other way, it's horrific. <laughs> I mean, the content of his politics, of mm-hmm. course, I think is disgusting. Um, but um, although, although I will say, I really want to stir the pot here, in terms of policy, he's not far from Bernie Sanders. Mm. They're both anti-immigration. Um, they're both for some sort of welfare state. Um, Trump has been for single payer health care at, at certain points, you know. So eh, I don't know, but I do think I think I think the lasting legacy is not going to win. So I think the lasting legacy will be sort of there will be damage done in a good way to respectability in politics, mm. you know, and that's a good thing. So wow, you're, you're trying to just bring it all down, aren't but you? But he's. Of course. I mean, in terms of immig- on Im- immigration, he's a complete fascist piece of shit. There's no question about that. Mm. And on foreign policy, too. Um, Where does uh, he stand with, on Israel? What's his... Oh, he loves Israel. Oh, really? He's they're, a pro. They're terrific. Uh, they're terrific. <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of Israels. Israelis. They're terrific. <laughs> yes. He probably says Israels. I know a lot of Israels. One of my favorite things about He knows about a lot of the in, blacks, too. Oh, he does. The blacks love him. He knows the, the blacks bl- love No, it's him. the blacks. <laughs> <laughs> the blacks love him. And the Chinesees, too. <laughs> the Chinese love, love him. him. Love him. <laughs> I love the shit about how he wants to bang his daughter. What? Oh, you don't know about this? No. Oh, yeah. No, he's several times he's, he's made comments about, like, he said things like, I'll tell you who has a nice body. Yeah, my my daughter or whatever her name is, Ilanka or whatever. Wow. He's like, you know, she's got now. If I if I were thirty years younger and I weren't her dad, I'm telling you. Wow. Oh yeah, that's a comfortable <laughs> speech. He's got her a body's thing. terrific. Wow. He's got a thing about his daughter, wow. and she's hot. I mean, you know, give him wow. that. Wow. <laughs> well, see, there you go, though, right? No, but see, let's, oh, let's oh, stop. I'm, let's I'm, pause for a second. I'm humanizing someone again. No, but let's mm-hmm. pause for a second. I mean, I don't want to humanize this guy either, but. But that, I think, is maybe a good thing, right? Because, you know, that's sort of at the core of Western sexual repression. Yeah, well, right? there you go. The, I was the incest the taboo, thing. right, is at yeah. the core of it, according to Freud. And I think Freud yeah. is right. And so he's going right after, you know, kind of the, the most sacred cows in our culture. And I think it's maybe a good thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't know whether it's intentional. He's, he reminds me of... He just uh, has no filter. He doesn't yeah. have the filters yeah. of... Of political people. He's almost like Ali G. You remember him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course. He's kind of like that, yep, yeah. you know, where he's just saying things that are like, wow, I can't believe you just said that, but it's kind of true. Yeah, yeah, right. 
Yeah. No, in fact, it's entertaining. If nothing else, I mean, seeing him and the Republican debates was highly entertaining because you yeah. see, you know, all the professional politicians who are all jockeying for, since it's the primary and they have to appeal to the conservative bases, I'm going to go one millimeter more conservative than the next guy. And so they are competing for, we can't push it too far or we'll lose the general election, right. but we're just going to play this game with each other where we each try to outdo each other by one millimeter. You know, they know what they are doing. That's how you play the game. And Trump arrives, he says some outlandish, crazy <laughs> shit that just make people go. And yet the conservative base eats it up and yeah. loves it. And yeah. suddenly all these guys who have been playing the game by the rules are thrown out because they're like, shit, the guy just went six feet in a more conservative direction. Right. And what do we do in the primary? We'll lose to this guy. Yeah. But if we follow him, we'll lose the, you know, it's like. Just imagine him in a head-to-head -head debate with Hillary Clinton. Oh, it would be hilarious. The queen of self-control yeah. yeah. and respectability and all that stuff that he's going after. Yeah. I mean, he's going to get his clock cleaned, I'm pretty sure, by her, but that'll be fascinating. At the same time, speaking of humanizing, she's so dislikable, mm -hmm. like everyone in the universe. Like, how many people say, I like Hillary Clinton? <clears throat> you know, it's like, nobody likes her. Right. It's just like... Well, have you seen all the feminists who are like sort of scrambling to figure out how to support her right <laughs> they're trying they're, they're putting all this energy into justifying it and rationalizing it because it's very difficult yeah. and even even on women's issues she's not so great yeah that's a funny world what's happening in italy now i sort of give up following because it's the same story over <laughs> and over just recycle with different names yeah, you know it's yeah. like you know oh, berlusconi's gone though speaking of like Banging your daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of yes. Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, he he's, is. He's the original Trump. Trump. Yeah, yeah, no. In fact, entertainment factor A plus, yeah. content F minus. You know, it's yeah. just how it goes. Yeah. It's uh, even like if you look at Vladimir Putin, you know, same thing. You know, he's like he's like crazy weird stance on a daily basis that from an entertainment standpoint are hilarious, but he's a fucking dictator. Right. You know? so but wouldn't like, you say Putin has a very high IQ? He seems very smart to me. Well, does he? Yeah, to the, me he does. I haven't picked that up. The thing <laughs> Maybe. is, I don't know. getting stuff done and being able to mold the world according to your wishes may or may IQ may or may not have something to do with it. In the sense that you know Berlusconi can achieve the same thing mm. without the IQ. So is he really IQ or not? Putin I'm, may be the most popular head of state in the world right yeah. now. Yeah, is it? And has been for quite yeah. a while. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, in terms yeah. of polling and votes and yeah. Um, He's very, very popular in Russia. And, and that's what I mean by intelligent. He seems to just, he knows how to play his cards. He's no bullshit. But that's also very much the Russian culture. Yeah. Right? You know, they've been big fans of well, and, know, central and they'll eat you <laughs> powerful up. authority yeah. figures. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. But I mean, like trying to rule in Russia. Holy shit, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was, speaking of cultures we don't like so much, <laughs> there's one. I'm not a big fan they of. They scare the fuck out yeah, of me. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Russian culture. Never have been. And I've spent... I, was there for two weeks at the very end of the Soviet Union in 1987. It's fascinating. Best trip I've ever taken. Right. But boy, I learned that I wasn't a big fan of that culture. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Russian videos. Like if you want the weirdest shit on the net ever, you look at what, you know, the average, like every other thing. Like I saw this one guy, you know, you see top of a building, maybe three story building for snow everywhere, bunch of people below. This dude sets himself on fire, jump off the building, land in a giant pile of snow below from 
three stories, turn himself off by rolling in the snow, and that's another Tuesday night in Russia kind of thing. It's like, that was like, ah, for entertainment, you know, it's yeah. like every other Russian video I see is like that. It's fucking hilarious. It's but, a tough, tough culture. Yeah. yeah. That's why they produce so many great fighters. Right. All my favorite fighters are Russians yeah, or yeah, Eastern yeah. Europeans. Yeah. yeah. Are you guys in the, you're, you're both into the UFC stuff, Indeed. Right? Yeah. I've only started watching it recently because Rogan, Rogan, you know, yeah. and I, I'll be like standing there alone in a bar and, you know, all these people yelling. And So what do you think? I'm curious. Um, I Honestly, it, it kind of excites something very primitive in me. But Were you, were you often, ever into boxing? I was into boxing okay. a lot. So I grew up with Muhammad Ali. Oh, and, so you're not completely from outside. Okay. No, I mean, yeah. I, and I studied martial arts as a yeah. kid okay. and all that. So I, I was into it. But the UFC often, very often, devolves into something that is very, very boring for me. Hmm. The, the two guys the, on the, the ground, ground just yeah. holding each other down and struggling. It's like, oh, you know, oh, it's a python, you know, wrapped around the well, struggling. You know, the problem with that is that it's the problem that UFC has had from the beginning is that unlike certain games that uh, everybody gets what's happening whether you yeah. understand the rules or not yeah. some of it there's an element of it where it's like if you know the ground game you see it you recognize the moves right. and the little transition you get excited about right. it's like I can't believe he pulled that off exactly but an untrained eye is not going to see it that's it and I know so I'm not seeing it and because I'm in a bar where everyone's screaming I can't hear what Joe's right. saying because from what people have oh, told Joe me he's very good at, yes. at explaining yeah. what's happening the ground yeah. game's like baseball no. Right, if you yeah. really know the game and really study it and mm -hmm. really see the minutia in it, it's fascinating. Right, yeah. but if you don't understand that stuff, it's yeah. it's like watching the paint dry. Well, I told yeah. Joe they should they should make an app for your phone huh. so that you can be in a bar because I mean two hundred bucks pay per view, nobody's mm -hmm. watching at home, right? So have it in a so have an app on your phone. You're in the bar. You can plug it in and listen because I want to hear what he's saying, and I can yeah. never mm -hmm. hear a fucking word he's saying because yeah, everyone's screaming. Joe's great at at explaining yeah. I think the ground game I, I love listening to him I mean the last two fights I got excited about both ended in like 12 seconds you know right. so yeah. it's either 12 seconds and it's over or it's you know five rounds of sliding around on the floor and elbowing a guy in the head which is not beautiful <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I grew up with Ali Frazier, right. you know? I, I mean, think Rousey made the ground game a little more exciting, though. Yeah, well, because I mean, she finished in a minute. I mean, the yeah. arm bars that she does are so spectacular, yeah. too. But, um, yeah, no, I agree with you. Ronda roused me. I'm a stand-up guy, striker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's he's a ground guy. Yeah, I dig that. He's a jiu-jitsu I don't like to get punched in the head, particularly. So. He's, he's good at that, too. You should, My, see, you should see this guy fight. There's videos of him. He's really good oh yeah well you know he fought twice professionally no I didn't know that yeah oh wow professional is a big yeah. word but sure <laughs> I've only done sparring but yeah. he's serious yeah. uh, is, he's uh, good my point of striking like I like striking but my idea of striking if I'm actually involved in it and I'm not just watching it is sure I want to start striking when I'm sitting on your chest and you punch from below and I punch from above that's the kind of striking I dig where right. you can hit me and I can hit you I, I'm a big fan of that but even odds, I've never been a fan of even fights. That just seemed like, why do I want to fight you fairly? There really is no yeah. incentive there. So it's whatever you can do to, to <laughs> tilt. Spoken like a true Italian, totally. huh? <laughs> <laughs> whatever I can do to tilt the odds in my favor, I'm a big, big fan of yeah. that notion. So to me, it's all about strategy and, uh, and cheating, the game. figuring uh, out how to cheat. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. He likes dirty boxing. Dirty. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dirty I mean, anything. Huge fan of like, <laughs> these doubt, are the rules dirty. and you are like, 
three millimeters outside, so they can't really call you on it, but you are getting some kind of an advantage. And his girlfriend's a really good boxer. You should see his yeah. tax return. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what tax return? Sadly, I'm not a math, so there's that problem. But. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, your girlfriend's a fighter, too? Yeah, yeah. we went to see her uh, yeah, fight yesterday. 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 No yesterday. kidding. She's so good. Fun. Wow. Kick yeah. your ass. Yeah, I'll bet. Sure, yeah. Well, yeah. even if she weren't a fighter, she'd kick my ass. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she's 30 years younger than me. She's funny, too, because she's... Um, like you talk to her she's like this most soft-spoken person oh, yeah. ever very sweet very nice yeah. doesn't say a whole lot she's very quiet right mm. nicest sweetest most mellow personality and then you turn it on in a rig and it's like something else and comes there, out yeah, her style is actually like it's called a bully style she, oh, walks, really? she walks down the other fighter and yeah. goes to the body gets inside very aggressive high well, volume yeah, lots yeah, of punches yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's sort of amazing to watch the transformation yeah. of savannah before yeah. we even oh savannah I've, yeah. I've met savannah yeah, yeah, she's a fighter yeah, she's oh, good wow. she's yeah, a you, sweetheart which, you she's know good. you never you know she's so nice and mad yeah. and that yeah the, actually before we even started dating she she's the one person that knocked me out like I've been rocked before, spinning I've back been, fist, right? spinning back fist from <laughs> hell. She just landed it. I was out. I didn't go down. I was out on my feet though, where I could not see straight for ten minutes. She landed this thing, and I was and done. She, she had mercy on yeah, you. Yeah, she gently you? stopped, and oh, that really felt wow. bad about it. But wow. yeah, it's so weird to spar with somebody that you're in a relationship with. Like at the time we weren't, but afterwards, like there have been a couple of incidents where like she hit me with like some murderous strike and then she feels bad and she drops her guard and oh. i'm not thinking like <laughs> okay you hit me fuck you we're still going and so i hit her when her hands are down and then i'm like oh fuck and then i'm like and then it gets into this whole weird complicated thing it's like it's so much easier when you can just say okay when the bell rings we stop until then we go it's like being worried about each other it's uh, complicated yeah. when you're trying to beat each other up. I see some sort of interesting marital therapy book here. You know, the, like uh, how to kick your partner's ass yeah, fairly yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. The last time I was knocked unconscious was by a woman. Nice. In, really? a, in a karate class. Nice. Yeah. Really? Spinning back, kick, heel to the solar plexus. And I was... Oh, those are awesome because you yeah. get the delayed effect. You, got, where, you were knocked unconscious from the solar plexus? Yeah. I, w- I mean, I woke up on my back. Really? And people looking down at me. Are huh. you all right? I didn't know you could be knocked Yeah, I didn't know either. That. I thought it, knocked, well, it knocks you down. That's I was sure. 15, so I may be yeah. misremembering it. But that that's what I... I remember... Because f- it was the first time I had sparred with a woman. There yeah. were no women in the Kung Fu school I went to. And then I yeah. transferred to another school. <laughs> school because my teacher killed his father and all this weird shit happened <laughs> nice story so um yeah so i, I did this taekwondo class and i didn't really she understand taekwondo. yeah and there, it was with pads yeah. and uh we had always done no contact yeah. so i uh, hitting people and then it's a woman and like where do you hit a woman you know you're not allowed to hit in their face or like so and you know like what are where am right. i gonna hit her and i was just sort of confused and she uh, just spun around and yeah, I, put me on my ass. I've only sparred with a woman a couple, few times, and it's she. I get hit much more often because she she's just very aggressive. Well, as a general rule, women in martial arts much more aggressive. They either quit on day two. Well, yeah. most will never walk in a gym. The ones who do either get out or if they stay, oof, watch out. Yep. Yeah, they have to be. They just keep coming off. and coming yeah. and coming and coming. And if you look at, I mean, if you, if you look at the UFC fighters who are women, you know, they tend to be more, I'd say more aggressive mm-hmm. on average than the men. Mm. 
in yeah. terms of more volume, more strikes. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just to survive, you have to be, yeah. I mean, it's such a male-dominated world that in order for a woman to Wouldn't be you agree? To they're stick, more aggressive, oh, shit, generally? Yeah. 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 So what time. do you think, Conor McGregor, is he is he a real deal? Is oh, he yeah. going to be around for a while, or is he oh, just gotcha. a commercial marketing? I love him. We, we love him. We're yeah. huge fans of it. Um, yeah, he's incredible. And he's he's brilliant, too. Was that a fluke, that, that last knockout? No. no. Well, no. He I mean, kind of called it. He yeah. didn't say it was going to happen exactly in the first round, but he said yeah. that's you know he was going to faint a, to the left. He's, I think everyone who knows anything agrees he's a great martial artist, and he also knows it. He said he has said he has a PhD in what does he say? PhD in self promotion, something violence. Or I don't know. Yeah. Um, but he really does. And you, if you look on the, the if you watch the Ultimate Fighter where he's the coach, you, see, you can see how deeply he knows the game mm. and how well he teaches it. I love that. I really respect that in people. I think he's one of the biggest assholes ever. Also, <laughs> you think he's really an asshole, or he just he plays sure seems one? like it. I mean, well, if you, if I you look at the, you haven't seen the Ultimate Fighter. You get nah, and again, he's on camera, so who yeah. knows exactly? Right. But he is, I think, more himself there right. and he's a real asshole <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> real real I'm afraid for his next match though he but I love watching him and I also love the Muhammad Ali um, showmanship yeah he's right. hilarious and you know I think he's done wonders for the game and for the UFC and, right. and I love watching him fight yeah Cool. Gentlemen, thank you so much. It's fun to hang out with the two of you. Yeah, man. We didn't, I wanted to ask you how you guys met each other and all that, but we never got around to it. Maybe another time. We'll give you the seven-second version. All right. Uh, basically, what was it? My mom was doing a, an article about His you? His mother interviewed or? me for an yeah. Italian newspaper oh, and right. said to me during the interview, Oh, my son. I said, how do, you, how do you know about me? And she said, Oh, my son likes your book. Uh, and next thing you know. That's we were great. best buds. Yeah. yeah, I was in Cardiff, Wales. I saw an article on the Huffington Post of yours, right. which I never read the Huffington Post. So that was kind of weird in itself. Yeah. I was like, no way, this article is so badass. I love this guy. I like him. And so then I started looking into his book and stuff. So I passed it to my mom. And I was like, oh, that makes for a good article. Yeah. And that's how the whole. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah. So thanks to the Huffington Post. Right. Okay, so where can people see your work, Thad? You have a ThaddeusRussell.com. ThaddeusRussell.com and? Same deal, not ThaddeusRussell.com, but just name, uh, first and last name. So DanieleBolelli.com, Daniele Bolelli for, since nobody throws that many L's in a name ever. Yeah, there are a it's lot just, of L's uh, in there. There's just one in my first name. It's <laughs> oh, like it's Daniel one. with an E at the end. Oh, okay. That keeps it simple. That's why your emails to me kept coming back, because <laughs> you are misspelling my name. <laughs> and then Bolelli is B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Uh, right. And uh, from there, you got all yeah. the podcasts. Or just Twitter. Google Badass Historian. I'm sure right. there you comes go. up there, too. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and appreciate your support for the podcast, especially those of you who do it through fundwhatyoulove.com, where you can set it up to take a buck, five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever you can afford, whatever you feel motivated to throw at the podcast every month. Uh, you don't have to think about it. It's an ongoing thing. You can cancel at any time, of course. That's fundwhatyoulove.com. That's run by Danny Osment, who also does the sound engineering for the show. You can find him at emeraldcitypro.com if you have any engineering, sound engineering needs. He's great. I vouch for him, of course. He's been doing the sound engineering for this podcast for over a year now, completely voluntarily. Uh, he's a cool guy. So if you have any business you want to throw his way, please do. Thanks to Basin and Range for the opening music. You can find them at basinandrangeband.com. 
Uh, there's a Reddit tangentially speaking discussion group. If you want to talk about episodes, throw a question at me, get a conversation started at Reddit. Just do a search for tangentially speaking, all one word. And of course, thanks to Bennett at Shore Design T-Shirts, another guy who's been supporting this podcast from the very beginning when I had about 15 listeners. He was there. He's still there. And uh, I love him. Never met the guy, but I love him. And I sure as hell love his shirts. So you can get his shirts at shoredesigntshirts.com. And of course, all the shirts that are at chrisryanphd.com are made by Shore Design T-Shirts in Thailand and packaged and shipped to you by my mom, Julie. Uh, say hi to Julie if you order anything. She loves it when that happens. And of course, last but not least, thanks to Carsey Blanton for the song you're about to hear, Smoke Alarm, which reminds you to carpe fucking diem because you're going to die one day. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say For a headstone I don't want to give the end away But we're gonna die one day Your body is an animal Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest Shut it up and give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation Running from a confrontation Wondering what we ought to say <laughs> When everyone we've ever known Is headed for a headstone It's a big deal If you wanna be free Say what you wanna feel Spend the night with me I'm gonna take you up in my arms And if we must go down We'll go singing to the smoke alarms We'll dance into the ground